I've got a fantasy football league question for you. For me, the guy that hadn't played in hey, this 10 isn't, years. This isn't like who would you draft, Michael number Stott. five. This is kind of a, a fantasy football league organizational question gotcha. that I've had for years. And as you know, on September the 3rd, we're doing this thing at Daniels Bread. The first ever Mitch Unfiltered Fantasy Football League. I'm going to have a team. I love it. And everybody who comes is going to have a part in a team. And we're going to have a big bash on September the 3rd. So I have a question for you that I've had for years and years and years. When we try to figure out the draft, or I need to win this. I kind of feel like a lot of like like the, your daughter's pressure that she's nervous. I feel a lot of pressure to win this. Like really? I feel like if I don't win this, we won't do it next year. But I was in a golf league with you forever, and you never won that. That's your sport. Whoa. I won it all the time. Okay. My name's on that trophy, by the way. Mine's not. Uh, but I, I, so I where feel, does this pressure come from? I because feel like I mean I'm a, I'm a really good fantasy football league player. Oh, is that right? Like incredibly good. Like I have oh. a great track record over the years. <laughs> Who knew? Wow, well, I'm, I'm telling you. Okay. But I don't understand how we we order the draft on September the third. How do we order the draft? Obviously, it'll be random. And let's say we're gonna have twelve teams. Yeah. Let's say uh, if we have twelve teams, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and then it goes backwards. It's a snake draft, right? Why should everybody be in the in the in the deal in the draw if let's say I don't want the first pick because I don't want the first pick okay why can't I take my name out of the hat why can't why do I have to be in the hat why does my team have to be in the hat if I don't want the first pick can you trade that pick no I'm just saying why can't you just say to all the teams that are in the draft on September the 3rd if you don't want the number one pick we're gonna we're gonna draft we're gonna pick right now randomly you know, things out of a hat to decide who goes what order. If you don't want the first pick, tell me. We won't put your name in the hat for the first pick. I don't like it. Why? If I don't want the first pick, (laughs) and if there's there's six teams in every league that want the first pick and and six teams that don't, why not just pick amongst the six teams for the first pick in the draft and do it that way? What about the 12th pick? Do you want that? If not, why not just pull that, pull yourself out of the draft altogether? No, I mean, it's just the first pick because people want the certain. Why can't we give the first pick to one of the teams that wants the first pick? If there are teams like me that do not want the, give me what's the disadvantage to doing it that way, where we just draw for the first pick yeah. the teams that want the first pick. Well, it's an advantage to the other teams if you get the first pick and you don't want it. Now the other teams that they can strike at that because you've already made it clear you don't want it. I don't want. And it. now you got to deal with it. I don't want it. it. So it helps the other teams if you get the first pick. It's clearly you don't want it. Yeah, I'm, so, unco- I'm uncomfortable with <laughs> it. That's the problem. Okay. So I don't like it. I don't like pulling people out. If you, nah, that seems why weird. it seems weird. It should just. You're going to have a lot of people complaining. I have a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's a contest. First of all, there's 12 teams. We're going to draw out of a hat okay. for who gets first all pick. Right. Well, anyway, September the third is going to happen. Whether you're ready or not, I finally made it available to all of our listeners of all the podcasts. We let patrons pre-order this thing first, Mm -hmm. and they grab three-quarters of the seats on September the 3rd. So we do have some seats, but not many seats available on September the 3rd. It's at 6.30. It's at Daniel's Broiler in Bellevue on September the 3rd, which is a Tuesday, Tuesday night after Labor Day. Okay. It's $125 a seat plus tax and gratuity. What you get is you get into the Fantasy Football League. If you want to be in our Survivor Pool, we're going to do a Survivor. I'm no good at this. I've, I, I'm, I'm telling you, as great as I've been <laughs> right. over the years in fantasy, I cannot yeah. do 
I think I should be able to do a survivor sure, pool. We all I do. Can't, I can't do a survivor pool. Is there a person on the planet who says I'm great at survivor pools? I win it every year. Yeah, I think there's probably somebody. really. Yeah, I don't know him. I don't or know her, him either. But I, I know it's not me. Yeah, it's not me. I'm terrible. It just looks so easy. It sure does. Just pick a winner. Pick a winner. I mean, you can you take a 16-point favorite, <laughs> and you don't have to cover the spread. I know. That's why those big buildings stand in Vegas. Uh, That's why they're there. <laughs> it's not that easy, is it? Okay. I, it should be. That should be very, very easy. I've been in but my I chair. Can't do it. Anyway, we'll do a fantasy football league on September the 3rd. We will do a survivor for anybody who's there that wants to be a part of a survivor pool. We'll have prizes. And what do you get for $125 in your seat? You get into the Fantasy Football League. If you want to be in the survivor pool, you get into that. You get beer. You get wine. You get appetizers, steaks, salmon, salad, garlic mashed potatoes. You get your broccolini, your desserts, your parking. It's all part of the package. So great. Including drinks. $125. Uh, per seat plus tax and gratuity. I've got a few seats left. If you want one of those seats, you just go to MitchUnfiltered.com and across the top, there's a banner that says, like, Unfiltered Fantasy Football. Click on the banner. Make your reservation. It's first come, first serve. I can't promise that there'll be seats for everyone, but if there's enough demand, maybe we'll do a second night. It's going to be a lot of fun to meet the listeners. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah. I, I haven't yet. Yeah, so are I, you I, part? Are you are you going to be part of my team? I would like to be. Are you can be part. Who are we taking number one? You're telling me I have to draft number one if I come out of that. Can but, I can I trade the pick? Yes, I think you can make a deal with anybody you want at Daniels. Yes, if you want. Really? But you got to, you know, he has to give you fair value. I want to pick in the middle. Okay, so if somebody... I like picking in the middle. I don't like the <laughs> the endless amount of time yeah. that it takes for me to come back up if I'm number... I don't want the last pick of the second round. 23 picks in between. I don't yeah. want that. I want to be in the middle. So if I come out number one, I figure I either have to pick Saquon Barkley or McCaffrey or Kamara. People say Zeke Elliott, but I don't know that I want to have Zeke. I, I just don't think he he fits on my team, the, my culture. I don't think he fits on my culture. On my <laughs> He's team. a cancer in your locker room. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he fits. What we're trying to do here gotcha. in our organization. Fair enough. But I think it's one. Don't you think Barkley? Have you started to look at it? Barkley, McCaffrey, Camara. I think are the three guys. Especially, we also have to decide: Are we doing a PPR league? Do you know what that is? Well, that, that's the other thing I was going to ask you. So yes. is it six points for a touchdown? We haven't decided we, all that. Okay. We're going to do it very simple. We're going to do a very simple league because there's going to be a lot of people there. Right. Yeah. And everybody's going to have a little say in all of this. So maybe we'll do kind of a, a vote or something when we're there. But should we do the PPR league or should we not do a PPR Explain league? Explain that. PPR is just you get an extra point per reception. So if you've got this guy McCaffrey, the running back in Carolina, every time he catches a ball, which is like 100 times a year, you get a point just for the catch before you oh, even figure out yardages and touchdowns. That doesn't That's seem, a PPR league. That doesn't seem simple. Like you said, you want to keep it simple. That doesn't really seem simple. That it seems... just makes guys who catch a lot of balls, yeah. especially out of the backfield, very, very valuable. So the people in the league aren't going to know the scoring system until the day of? Is that what we're talking about? <sighs> I feel like maybe we should let them in on it. Yeah, we got to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we should figure that out. Probably, in so you can start scheming ahead of yeah, time and yeah, what, okay. what makes sense all and all right. that. Anyway, September the third, Tuesday night, six thirty p.m. One hundred twenty-five dollars a seat. Your beer, your wine is included. Appetizer, steak, salmon salad, all the sides, all the desserts, the parking. It's going to be a great night. Join us. And the way you get one of the remaining seats, there's just a few remaining seats, is to go to uh, MitchUnfiltered.com. The banner across the top of the page. And this is episode fifty-one, by the way. Available just about everywhere, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. I'm, I'm hearing about Podcast Addict. 
Did mm. you know it about a Podcast Addict? I don't. Yeah, there's a Podcast Addict app that people like. Great. Uh, subscribe, give us a rating, and by all means, tell a few coworkers and friends that Mitch Unfiltered exists. We've got a heavy episode 51, uh, and I mean... It's been a heavy weekend. I mean, I don't mean heavy in that. Well, I guess I, we're going to have a little little heaviness, but yeah. we're going to have... When I, I meant heavy, I meant full. Oh, gotcha. Full episode 51. Yeah. Could be full. Full to the brim. We've got, uh, we've got NBC football insider Peter King, who's already been to like 10 training camps. We've got Brady Henderson, who covers the Seahawks for ESPN on the injuries to the Seahawks and the scrimmage the other day at Pop Keeney yeah. Stadium I, in Buffalo. there. Have you? Yes, I have. Did you dominate Pop of Keeney Stadium? Of course I did, yes, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I think three high school shares. Did so. you wear number 43 as at matter, Pop Keeney Stadium? As a matter of fact, I did. Who'd you play for, by the way? Issaquah. But we were not the Eagles back then. We were the Indians. Yeah, they changed. That got changed. Yeah. yeah. Not politically correct. And, and need, you were a fullback? You were a running back? A running back. Did you ever yeah. score a touchdown at Pop Keeney Stadium? Not at Pop Keeney, Did no. you ever score a touchdown? I did score one touchdown, I think. But I, <laughs> you think? I think. That I think tells me one. you didn't score well, it could have one. been one or two. I'm not but sure. But you definitely scored at least one in your career. I, I started, so yeah, I'm sure but I did. But you were a fullback. Nobody uses the fullback. Yeah, we used it a little bit because I was, you know, so talented. I mean, how do you not get me the ball? <laughs> Nobody on the planet will ever guess why I picked where why I picked number forty three. No one will ever guess it. It was a college football player that I saw and I fell in love with because I loved his style. No one on the planet will. It's so weird that I picked it after him. He played at Iowa, and I saw him play in the nineteen ninety one Rose Bowl against the Washington Huskies. And you fell in love with an Iowa player against the Huskies. I did. His that doesn't make any well, sense. Well, I knew the Huskies were going to kill him. And what was his name? Nick Bell. Oh, I think I remember Nick Got ben. drafted by the Raiders and didn't really pan out. God, you, he was awesome. You, but just in that game, was he awesome? And that's the reason yeah. why you wore number 43? I'd seen him in highlights leading up to the Rose Bowl, and then I saw him play against this this Husky defense. It yeah. was amazing, and he was running through him. He was like 235, but like ran indoor track at Iowa. I was like, oh, yeah, you can be big and fast. This is amazing. <laughs> I want to be that guy. And what grade were you in when you watched him? I was at that Rose Bowl, and I was a uh, oh. junior, I want to say, junior in high school. Oh, so what were you wearing before you saw him? Uh, 35, I think, for Okoye. I always loved Okoye, too. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, the I Nigerian nightmare. Big running backs. I mean, I was a big running back. Was... But he scored touchdowns. He scored one or two. <laughs> That's true. I did have two touchdowns in one game in the Northwest Football Tell League, everybody so who our third guest is. Peter King's our first guest. Uh-huh. Brady Henderson is our second guest. Tell everybody who our third guest is. Uh, Mitchell R. Levy. Which stands for? I think it's Reed. See, I have a good Spelled. Name. Is it Reed? Yeah. Uh, it's probably not two E's because that seems simple. E-I-D? It's E-E-D. Is it really? Yeah. Ah. It's Mitchell Reed Lee. I'm, I'm, how do you think the first two segments have gone when you turned the tables on me and, and interviewed me? How I think they're I... great. I'm loving it. People are interested in your life. We have more to get to, though. You're, I think we're Some just compl- in Seattle, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we're only in Seattle. For and God's sake. and I told you that we missed a couple of stories that I think people will like. Yeah. I don't well, know if we're going to get back to those or not. I think first play-by-play gig, tickets... Couple those those two oh. stories, yeah. But we sort of skip by. Yeah, but the we tickets, can, tickets. Yeah, tickets. I want to hear this one. Not good. Have you never heard the most of these stories you've heard? Have you never heard the ticket story? I don't think I ever have. All right. Well, you're the interviewer. You can take me back to the ticket story if you please. That would be the third interview of the bunch. Yes, it is. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I hope he is too. Okay. 
Hotshot, it's very important to note that episode 51 of Mitch Unfiltered is brought to you in part by Daniel's Broiler with four all-time locations, each providing subtly different ambiances, but the same world-class service and the best stakes anywhere. Leshy Marina, South Lake Union, a top Bellevue place in the newest jewel downtown at the brand new Hyatt Regency. There's no place like Daniel's for special occasions. The Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. More and more families are taking taking this opportunity to save money on a refinance of their home. Jordan Flowers Guild Mortgage Group is waiting to save you money every month with three top 1% brokers in the Kirkland office alone. So call the Kirkland office at 425-250-3150. Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest, interviewing Tyler Hay tomorrow for the Evergreen Exchange podcast, a new show that spreads intelligent conversation about wealth management check out what tyler and his crew do at evergreen golf call that's g-a-v-e-k-a-l.com and zeke's pizza with 17 locations across the pacific northwest from bothell down to tacoma zeke's is truly a northwest tradition they offer a delivery service through zeke'spizza.com and as you've heard me repeatedly say a great place to watch sports while enjoying some pizza and craft beer zeke's pizza homegrown in the northwest here comes episode 51 right now unfiltered here's a guy with a whole life ahead of him a harvard education he's obviously a very smart guy he's got a great head start he's got all the things going for him and there's nothing to be ashamed of i mean his story someday will be on the big screen my guess is there'll be a movie about jeremy lynn you would th- you would think i mean it's a great story and he's got so much and it really hurt me Maybe because of what I've gone through or what have you. It just hurt me to see that a guy is so overwhelmed by the end that he can't admire and be happy with what's happened up until now and what's in front of him. Unfiltered. LeBron James running out onto the floor in the middle of the game to high-five either his son or his son and somebody else or somebody else while the game was going on. That that just reeked to me of, I'm LeBron James, and if I want to go out onto a basketball floor in the middle of a game, I don't give a rat's ass. I'm LeBron James. I'll do it. You know, Joe Schmo's father can't do that. He get thrown out of the gym. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 51. I've been dreading episode 51 for a long time. At the end of episode 51, Hotshot, yes. we got to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Every time. And what happens right before we do this? Well, we name the episode on who it's named oh after. It's a- and there's already a hot debate on Twitter. You've got Ichiro. Swung on and a ground ball punched into right field for a base hit. So heading to third base is long the throw to third base and they've got him nailed at third base on a tremendous throw by Ichiro. I'm here to tell you that Ichiro threw something out of Star Wars down there at third base. He fired a shot about three feet off the ground all the way on the fly to David Bell and Terrence Long was D-O-A. You've got Randy Johnson. Here comes the left-handers wide. The 0-2 pitch on the way. Swing, it's over! He's done it! High fastball, Randy Johnson being mobbed by Scott Bradley down to greet him and the entire Mariner team here on the 
22nd of June. It ends at 9.51 Pacific Daylight Time. Randy Johnson with the first Mariner no-hitter in history. You've got the all-time save leader, Trevor Hoffman. Bernie Williams were 51. Dick Butkus. Somebody actually tweeted me that Dick Butkus is, oh, yeah, you're going to name it Dick Butkus, a guy who was overrated <laughs> and doesn't have any ties to Seattle. First of all, you don't have to have ties to Seattle to have an episode named after you. Yeah, we had, what, we, David we Robinson last time? Most of our guys yeah. are not affiliated with Seattle, and we're, we're looking for the greatest of the greatest that wore the number. And I hope the guy who tweeted me is like six years old. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> right or joking? He was no, he wasn't joking. Okay, this guy wasn't joking. Yeah. He's and, wrong. And it, I I stopped blocking people, but he almost was the first of the new Mitch era <laughs> to be blocked. <laughs> because if you call Dick Butkus overrated, yeah. you're either six, you're you would know nothing about sports, or you you don't care about the history of sports. This is a guy who revolutionized. I, I was going to say the linebacker position, maybe just the, the defensive position. Right. When he came along, there was nobody ever like him before. And, okay, there's been some guys like him after. But he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I tweeted this picture out called he was the most feared NFL player in the world, in, in, in America. And so if he's not in the conversation with Randy Johnson and each – now, I don't know exactly how to differentiate between all these. I got a feeling – and we can do it in our last segment, but we've got to come to an opinion about 51. He was a little before my time, but I've gone back. And, and before I've, my time, too. Yeah, and, yeah, but I've watched plenty of highlights. You can find them on YouTube. And he absolutely destroyed people. I mean, some people know how to just Wrecking uncoil machine. their body. Cam Chancellor's one of those. Yeah. They can just uncoil on people. And he would just go through NFL caliber running backs. He was very impressive. If we want to avoid the subject altogether, we can also go with Jim Ringo who nobody knows, but I do. He was a Syracuse guy. He was one of, the great, yeah, <laughs> one, of the, one of the greatest centers of all time. Only made the Pro Bowl like 10 years in a row. Out. Uh, Beat it, Jim. Come on. We can go episode Ringo. It's got a nice ring yeah. to it right before we ring the bell. So we, I, I think it's going to come down to Ichiro, Randy Johnson, Dick Buckus, and we've got to figure that out by the end of the show. Okay. It's tough because Randy Johnson is my favorite Mariner of all time. How dominant was he in his prime? Yeah. Cy Young after Cy Young. He was just, he was unhittable for, for a moment there. And then there's that thing where I don't know that he tried his best yeah. at the end and got himself traded at a 4.4 ERA here and then at a 1.1 ERA in Houston the second half of the year. Said he was hurt. There's a little bit of that. And I'm not, I got, I, people who have listened to me for a long time know that I'm not a huge Ichiro fan. So it's going to be very difficult for me to choose Ichiro over both Dick, Dick Butkus and Randy Johnson. Yeah. I'm just telling you that right now. There is that weird Ichiro camp of people who are against him for some reason. And that, you're, you're one of them. I mean, it's all he I'm did was hit the ball. Him. I'm just not a lover. <laughs> because it was all singles and it never felt clutch. What, uh, what, help me understand well, this. Let's do this in the second, gotcha. in, in okay. the last segment before we name the episode. Fair enough. All right. Because I don't want to get too far into episode 51 without um, observing the obvious, which was it was a really, really, really tough weekend in the United States. And I know that I'm echoing your sentiment when, when I say that um, while this is a sports podcast, our thoughts are obviously with the victims, the families, the friends in El Paso and Dayton. Just a horrible weekend in United States history um, as this this wave of mass shootings kind of continues and we go through this time and time again. 
everybody's we we've had a little bit of a debate via social media about what this podcast is all about. And I know you and I have talked about this and maybe this will be in the interview with me in the last segment. I never felt, as you know, that sports radio or I guess now sports podcasts had to be all about sports. People got mad at me because I would go off of sports all the time on the old radio show. Now I do it on the podcast. I don't feel badly like I did in in radio because people can skip through it on the podcast. They couldn't skip through it on the radio. Um, But I also believe, and I may be right, I may be wrong. Maybe sports radio should only be about sports. But I just felt like I wanted to do funny things and talk about other stuff when I was doing the radio. I've always thought entertaining more important than actual sports. Yeah, I viewed it as, okay, if you want me to entertain dominantly men between the ages of 25 and 54. And that's the way I was judged. You guys on the Tepper show were judged differently. 1834 people. Whatever it is. I was always told in the the manager's office, we want you to get good ratings in men between 25 and 54. That's the target. And what I used to say to them is, okay, let me entertain men between the ages of 25 and 54 the way I feel like I want to do it, or I think the best way to do it. And it may be sports 90% of the time or 95%, but if I want to wander off because I think that that's going to help entertain men between 25 and 54, you shouldn't have a problem. And for the most part, my old employer didn't have a problem. When it came to politics, I had a different feeling. And I probably, I don't know if I was right or wrong, but I I did feel all along going back to Washington, D.C., which we talked about in part parts one and two of the uh, of the interview. Uh, by the way, part two was on the page for the people who don't know. Part two was on 50 uh, P on Thursday's release. We'll do part three today is that I always thought that sports radio should be a shelter from politics. And I did my very best. And I think I did a really good job. I didn't do a good job of a lot of things, but I did a good <laughs> job. I think in the 25 or 22 years on KJR of not really bringing politics into the show. Now I was on the air during nine 11. You guys were on vacation, right? Yes, I was in Las Vegas. You were in Las Vegas. I was the last person in the country to know what happened. We were starting at 5.30. I was on the air trying to describe to our listeners what was happening in front of me. So there were times, I guess, where politics seeped in and it was just impossible. But for the most part, I kept politics out. And I, I, I'd like to continue to do that, but it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And it's, it's weird that this has to be a political issue, though. Isn't that kind of strange? It's the strange times we're living in. People, innocent people dying all of a sudden becomes political and you have to pick a side. It's, a, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling that... Well, most that, things become political. And this they, is... An they e- do. I think this is an easy one to become political. And I really don't want... I, I want this podcast to be something that people can... Tr- when they want to break from all of that. Okay? But... I'll just say this, and and this will be my comment, and you can comment if you'd like. I'm just going to say it this way. There are endless amounts of brilliant people in this country, and this is about as apolitical as I can get. Do you agree or disagree with that? We've got people inventing things every day that are just... We've got, br- we've got the most brilliant minds in the world right here in this country. Go watch the SpaceX launches and those boosters coming down, and it just makes you go, that's humans at their best. People are brilliant. inventing cures and vaccinations, and they're yep. doing it all over the world. But we here in the great United States of America, we've got some incredibly brilliant minds, okay? We've got spectacular 
intelligent Republicans. We've got spectacularly intelligent Democrats. We've got spectacularly intelligent independents. We've got spectacularly intelligent men and women, black, white, green, blue. We've just got brilliance in this country. And it's not sitting here at this table. (laughs) It sure isn't. No, it's not. (laughs) We're not going to solve anything. And I'm just going to end it with this. I can't even show up on time. I refuse. No, you can't. (laughs) I refuse to believe, Hotshot, that there's not a way that we can't get these brilliant people, whomever they are, men and William, men and women, Republicans and Democrats and independent, whoever they, whatever the color of their skin, that we can't get these br- brilliant people together to find a way to make this country safer, to find a way, find a middle ground to make this country as safe when it comes to shootings and killings as other countries around the world. I just refuse to it. If I die tomorrow, I'll go to my grave believing that there's, it it shouldn't take that much to get some of these brilliant minds in the same room to figure this thing out. If they can figure other stuff out like we're talking about, they can figure this out. And that's what I want to say about it. It's not that it can't happen. It's just that it, it won't happen. Which is the most... Yes, it could happen. You're right. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. The minute a side has, the minute a side has to give a little, and one side, has, then forget about it. It's over. You you have to plant your flag in the ground on your team and fight to the 20, death. That's where we are. Tw- Twenty people at an El Paso Walmart. Right, a Walmart. Yep. Doing back to school yep. shopping. Yep. I'm going to say that again, and everybody's heard it ten times already this weekend. Twenty people died at an El Paso, Texas Walmart on Saturday while they were doing back-to-school shopping. A two-year-old boy is being treated for broken bones because his mother fell on him trying to protect him from the shooter who shot her and killed her. He's, he's now mending on the mend. He's lost his mom because she refused to let the shooter do her kid. Right. Brilliant minds should be able to get into a room and figure this out. Enough is enough. And if that's political, call me political on Mitch Unfiltered. That's what I have to say about it. I don't, I mean, I think the one thing we can all agree on is that nobody likes innocent people dying. I I think we should start there, right? Okay, everyone calm down. Can we start there? No one likes innocent people dying. And I also think everybody would agree we can't continue to just stay the course. Something has to be done. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that, like my father-in-law is a gun owner, member of the NRA, he loves to go up to the range and shoot. He's super safe with his guns. I think even he would say we can't stay the course. I think 90% of this country is on the same page, and it's the 5% on the far ends that are the most vocal that are keeping people from coming together. Figure it out. I, it would be great. if Figure they could. it out. Do you think in 50 years we'll still be talking about this? Probably. I agree. I say figure it out. It'd be nice. It would be nice. Okay, figure it out. Yep. Now, laundry list of items before we get to the interviews and my third, the third part of my interview and naming the show. I got a laundry list of stuff that I don't want to take too much time on each one, but I want to get through it all. Okay. All right? Let's put away the LeBron James debate from 50P because we didn't discuss it on 50. We discussed it on 50P. Oh, right. Okay. Where are we on LeBron James getting in the layup line, yep. putting on a dunk show at his son's AAU basketball game? That's one video. 
The second video is of him losing his shoe, running out onto the floor in yeah. the middle of the game to congratulate or high-five his son and other members of his son's team after they did something crazy. Those were the two videos. I think you and I agree on the second video, but we don't agree on the first video. I'm right? fine with him in the layup line for an AAU basketball game for kids. I love it. He's putting on a show. The kids probably love it. The other team probably loves it. The fans love it. It's I'm about not having fun. That. I'm not good with that. I mean, but I don't want the, 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 the severe overreaction. Mitch Mitch thinks that LeBron James is a bad dad. <laughs> right. okay. I don't know why it has to always get caught. I can't have an opinion oh, I know. You're not without, right. without, oh, my God. Do you not realize, Mitch, you are so, yeah. your head is so in the stand. You, know, you don't realize how many minorities, how many kids don't have parents that come to their games, they ignore their games, and now a guy... A black adult male comes to his son's game and and shows exuberance, and you got a problem with that. I can't even say that I just think he should be in the stands. I think he's a wonderful father. Let me say, I think he's a LeBron James, a better father than me. Got it? (laughs) Right. Okay. Are we good? (laughs) He should stay in the stands. That's it. That's that's what I. That's that's the way I feel. And certainly, the whole thing of him running on the floor, him running on the floor. This is what I said in 50p. I'll say it in 51 here. Him running on the floor while the game is going on, if that's not, uh, I'm LeBron James, I'm the greatest basketball player in the world of the second behind Kawhi. If I, I'm, the, I'm one of the great players in the world, I can go on the floor while the game's going on. Other parents can't, but I, if that's not a, a, a power play on some level, sense if that's not obnoxious, then come on, that it, it doesn't make him a bad dad. Right. He, I'm sure he's a one. He's a wonderful. He's dad. clearly a great person. He gave two and a half million. I to like the Smithsonian. him. He's I a great like guy. LeBron James. Yeah, I, do I do. I didn't like the whole South. Uh, I'm taking my thing to South yeah. Beach. I like LeBron James. I just think, you know what? Sit in the stands and cheer him on from the stands, yeah. or, or say, I, I, I don't think you need to be running on the floor, losing a shoe, congratulating your kid while the game's going on. And I hear everybody saying, Mitch, it's an AAU game. It's not a real game. You know, relax, Mitch. You know, bullshit. It's 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 a it's a game. It's competitive. They're keeping adults score. don't <laughs> run out on the floor. If I ran out on the floor in the middle of my son's AAU game, yeah. I'd be yeah. shipped right out of. Yeah. I've been I've been thrown out of gyms of of, of recreational <laughs> basketball. Games. Is that right? Yes, just uh, six months ago, a, a referee threw me right out of the gym. I mean, what if your son played in the NBA? And he threw an alley hoop, and you got excited and, oh, and ran onto the court. You asked a question. <laughs> I feel terrible because you asked a question about little league all stars and and doing your what, what, how did you how did you connect I thought that was ter- I don't remember how you connected you thought it was terrible is that what you're going to say it was terrible it was well, terrible how did you connect the whole little league all stars decorating the car because I realized you guys we, did it yeah we did it okay and well, I checked it out today a lot of people do it I see them everywhere I'm just saying it's not my it's personally I, I and just, how does that re- how does that relate to LeBron James running on the floor well him again? him drawing attention to how great his son is and what a, how great his son is playing right now and high-fiving him and doing the whole thing. It's drawing attention to it. He should be cool and be in the stands. Of course your kid's good. You're LeBron James. He's got great genes. Bronny. He should be good. Yeah. yeah. And that's sort of the way I feel about people, you know, putting on the back that their kid made the all-star team. Because some kids don't make it, but some do. And the ones that do, they love to tell you about it, right? Little yeah, little we kip. Did. We did. Yeah. Go and Max, number nine see, or something. Go Thunderbirds. Yeah, we I did. just, for some reason, I, I don't, I mean, I don't begrudge anyone that does it. I just don't think I would do it. I would just want their play to speak for itself, whether on the court or on oh, the diamond. Oh, I see. So you're yeah. worried about offending the people in the league that didn't make no, it. No, I don't. Not, I'm not necessarily All-Star. worried about you're that. A little, you, you look a little worried. Well, they cut three kids. What, what, I just drive around in their neighborhoods <laughs> all day long. I mean, what are the chances I'm going to see them?
I don't know. It just well, it's a little braggy. I, I had said to you on 50p that we that I don't remember if I don't remember kids my kids being on Little League All Star teams. <laughs> really? As it turns out Max was on Max was on a, a an intermediate and a and a juniors All Star team, and we did decorate my wife's car. Gotcha. Not my not, car. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, do no. It. no, 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 oh, no. Not happening in my car. No, either. that's not happening. <laughs> All right, so we're we're done. Are we done on LeBron James for now? I think we we're done? good. I okay. think we're good on LeBron. Seahawks. Do you know the Seahawks are playing the Broncos on Thursday night? I do know that. Yes. You're going to be able to turn on the TV and watch Seahawks football, Seahawks preseason football? I've said before, I actually like watching preseason. because I do? Well, just because I like to see... Because Nick Bell might play? Oh, was it Nick Bell? That'd be great. It was Nick <laughs> Bell, yes. Oh, if he played. But I actually like to see the new guys playing. I, I, I never know how to feel when I watch a scrimmage and somebody has an amazing touchdown. I, do I get excited that my defense just got smoked <laughs> for 60 yards? I never know how to feel. So it's going to be nice to see them do it against another team. I want to see these young guys. Well, I'm here to tell you... Since we're we're on, we're calling this Mitch Unfiltered. Did you know that you know that L.J. Collier, one of the big news items from the Seahawks this week, was L.J. Collier, their first round draft choice, the guy from like Monday, Texas, where there's like 24 people. He played on a on a high school football team where the school only had like 50 people. He was in the probably the quarterback. No, he he was the whole offensive line and defensive line. He got hurt. Yeah, he has this unique. Ankle sprain. When I saw unique. Pete, Pete like, Carroll has never God. seen an ankle yeah. sprain like this before. Great. Isn't it just our luck oh, as yeah. Seahawks fans? If there's anybody that's ever going to have a unique <laughs> right. ankle sprain, it's going to be a Seahawks. We're trying So he's not going to play. I, I'm going to say this to Brady Henderson. I'm going to say it to you first. Here's my unfiltered opinion. You can hold me to this. And, th- and, th- and if this ends up being wrong, first of all, I'll root for it to be wrong because I'm a Seahawks fan. I want them to be good. What I'm about to say, I'm going to root for us to be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I want you to throw it in my face every week, every week during the football season when you're on. I'm ready. Okay? All right? I don't see how it's humanly possible that the Seahawks have a good defense this year. I I just can't see it. I've been trying to figure it out for now 72 hours. I challenged myself to come up with a formula where the Seahawks have a good defense this year, and I can't. I can't. Are you are you factoring in everybody coming back healthy? I'm making a math. I'm I'm making it a math equation. Were you good in math in school? What's that? Math? Yeah. <laughs> I've How do you do on your math SAT? Uh, yeah. Did fantastic. you take the SAT? Oh, you told me you didn't take the SAT. No SATs. I told you I come from a long line of dipshits. No one in my li- <laughs> no one in my family took the SATs. Why should I start now? And okay. look where it got me. Uh, I'm let me not sweltering I in your went, house. When I, you're not sweltering. No, I'm fine. You're fine. Normally I am. Yeah. yeah we got the good. We got, yeah. Yeah. We got a fan. Welcome to 1940. <laughs> we got a, a fan. fan. <laughs> we got a fan. Got one fan. Right. One listener. One fan. Uh, okay, let's not make it a math equation. Let's make it a logic. I took logic at Syracuse. I took a class in logic. Logic 101, I think I took. One something. If you take this defense from last first of all, we start with the defense in 2018. That was terrible. Yes, they were. Do you understand that? Does everybody understand that? Uh, let's not sugarcoat it. They made the playoffs, and they were at times okay, but... As a whole, for the 2018 season, the Seahawks defense was terrible. You take a terrible defense, right? You take its most explosive player away, Frank Clark. I know Bobby Wagner is the best. You take an explosive pass rushing both, and he also can play the run. He's in the backfield. He's a disruptor. You take their most expl- you take the most explosive defensive player off of a bad. <laughs> I'm doing logic now. Right. Off of a horrible. Defense, we'll start there. A defense that gave up five yards a carry in running, who had had kind of uneven um, a pressure on opposing teams' quarterbacks, was just okay against the pass. You take 
Frank Clark off the team, right? Yeah, who needs you, that guy? You, you, you take their, their nickel corner, Coleman, off the team, okay? You don't have the nickel corner anymore. You take Jaron Reed, who was their best defensive lineman. He had over 10 sacks. He, they drafted him to be a run stuffer. He's a run stuffer. You take him off the team for the next six games. This is, this is the worst. This is a, a bad defense that you're taking all these guys. And what you're adding, okay, you're adding Ziggy Ansa, mm-hmm. who may or may not play at the beginning. We don't even know if he has anything left. He's not even going to play in training camp. You're adding LJ Collier, a first-round pick to help, but now he's not going to play the entire exhibition season probably and into the regular season. So you can't really count on a rookie to come in and, and play a huge part. You, you've got you've got corners that weren't very good. At least one corner in Shaq Griffin, who was supposed to be like a shutdown number one corner, he was below average last year, especially in big in big time moments. He was below average. I, explain to me how a bad <laughs> now you might say, okay, Mitch, everybody's going to get better. Okay, Shaq Griffin's going to get better. Trey Flowers going to get better. The safeties are going to get better. The young defensive linemen, everybody gets better year to year. I'll accept that, but that still doesn't take you from right. bad losing two great players to good. There's no way this team can be a good defensive team. Well, that's the, that's item number two on the, Mitch Unfilter. No way. You have a quarterback. You have Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner can cover a lot of ground. I mean, you're, you're you know, that's a good place to start. Did they have Bobby Wagner last year? <laughs> they sure did. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair so enough. You can't, and Frank you, Clark. You can't tell me that they're going to be better because they have Bobby Wagner because they had Bobby Wagner. And did he play okay last year? Oh, uh, yeah. He was all world last yes, year. he was. He yeah. may have had his best season ever last year. So if you really want to get into the logic 101, I can make a case that Bobby Wagner, if you, if you were a betting man, you would say Bobby Wagner's not going to play as well as he played. He'll be great, but he, he may not be as good. So now they... They, they, they just took another quarter. So give me the next. What's the next item up for bids to uh, make them a good defense? What, Puna Ford. You're not excited about Puna yeah, Ford? Yeah, I am. I am kind of. Okay. Yeah, I think he's good. Yeah. He was good last year. I think he'll be good. Yeah. He had a good scrimmage, but then again, it was against the Seahawks offensive Yeah, line, because so he caught a ball <laughs> that I think went off the goalposts. Yeah. They're talking about some ball that was yeah. thrown off the goalpost. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I don't want to be Mr. Hardy Har Har. I guess I've already done it. I, I just, and again, throw it at me. Throw this back in my face if I'm wrong. Happy to be wrong. I don't see it. I, I don't see how this defense is going to be is going to be anything better than if they're okay. I think it would be a almost a surprise. Okay is the best. I think they could be an okay defense, and they'll be lucky to be an okay defense. That's just my thought on it. Do you think they can go 500 in the first six games without Jaron Reed? I have to look at the first six games. Okay, ask me that in 51p. Gotcha. On Thursday, the patron episodes. Um, okay, so let's go. Let's go to a couple of other things on the laundry list. Then we'll do the the interviews, and then we'll come back. And by the way, I'm the third interview. Well, uh, real quickly, the M's got no hit again. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't. And Jerry Depoto, the GM, I'm sure, still thinks that this team is going to be competitive next year. I saw again. <laughs> one of the last one of the last times I watched the Mariners was when Leak I think had uh, no hitter through eight. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, I was like, oh. Maybe even a perfect game. Was it a perfect game? I no. don't know. Yeah, he was in the ninth inning. Yeah. I was like, okay, we got yeah. a cool. They've been no hit like twice in 11 days. <laughs> but this this guy, Leak, I'm like, okay, he sounds like he's good. Not even he on got, the team he anymore. He got traded. 
<laughs> well, yeah. We can't have that. We yeah. can't have anybody good. And while they were what trading the Mike Leake, by the way, the Astros were acquiring Zach Greinke. Right, it's over. Which I think now <laughs> makes the Astros better than the Mariners. <laughs> yes, I think finally. They finally got him over the hump. Hall of Fame <laughs> clash. Champ Bailey, oh. Tony Gonzalez, Ty Law, Ed Reed, center Kevin Mawai, Johnny Robinson, Pat Boland, Gil Brandt, all in the Hall of Fame. And it really makes me say one thing, and that is... It's really, really sad when all the guys that are going into the Hall of Fame, you feel like played yesterday. I know. I know them all. I know. It's crazy. Tony Gonzalez? Whatever happened to the days where old Altacockers got up there that you didn't remember them playing? <laughs> right. How old do we have to be, the fact that we remember all these guys when I they know. were... We remember when they went to college. Well, it's terrible. Tony Gonzalez. Berkeley, I remember him right? playing basketball at Cal. <laughs> right. I know. This is terrible. You want another old guy moment today that happened to me just yeah, today? Yeah. I'm at the stadium where I went to high school. Issaquah Stadium called the Gary Moore Stadium, named after a guy that I played for. <laughs> That's how you know you're getting old. You wore 43 for Gary Moore? I sure did. Yeah. At Pop Candy? Did he coach at Pop Candy no, no, Stadium? No, he coached at Issaquah High School. Yeah, but he must have coached oh, as yeah, an opposing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's dominated. Really... He dominated Pop yeah, Candy like, Stadium's Stadium. named after him, for God's sake. Yeah. I played for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, TB12, Tom Brady's birthday the other day. Do you know what he is? He's Giselle's avocado. Yeah, I saw that. That was tough. Happy birthday, love of my lifey. Life is so much better because we can share it with you. Thank you for being our rock and the avocado of my toast. Awful. I just think about guys like Lyle Alzado, <laughs> you know, tough NFL <laughs> players. What if Lyle Alzado? You know, like remember, like the old tough guys. Somewhere with- Lyle Alzado in heaven is saying, "That's the first time somebody's mentioned me on a podcast ever." You know, the Howie Longs, like men's oh, yeah. men, like what, yeah. you, what, what if their He's wife the called him avocado, the avocado oh, of his toe? And by the way, like, I hate avocado. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not an avocado guy. So f- mushrooms and avocado. Uh, what's going to be next week? Next week it was just, no. the last time it was just mushrooms. Don't put guacamole anywhere uh, near me. I don't. Want it. I, I don't once want asked avocado. if you're a picky eater, and you said, no, it's just really mushrooms. Now it's starting to come out that you're one of those picky because, adults. Does it make me picky that I don't have avocado yeah, and mushrooms? I think it. I think it does. Avocado is amazing. I know. People love avocado. Yeah, it's great. Mushrooms, I can sort of give you a pass on. They're not for everybody. I don't like avocado. the texture of avocado. What are you, 10? Guacamole. I don't like it. I don't like the, I don't like the feel of it. I told you I, I have a, an irrational disdain for adult picky eaters. I told you that. <laughs> You're going to come across the table? <laughs> I am sucky in the All nose. Right, you want my athlete of the week? I got my athlete oh, yeah. of the week for you before we go to the interview. Love it. And by the way, I sent you that transgender email. Did you read the transgender email? I did read email? it. Can we do that in the last segment, too? We're going to have a lot to do in the last segment. We can. That, and when I say the last segment i'm not talking about the third interview after the interview segment we got to do a last gotcha. segment okay uh, my athlete of the week is nathan peterson sorry nathan patterson mm. do you know who nathan patterson is i don't when i tell you you, you actually do know know who nathan okay. Patterson. you just don't know him by name 23 year old dude walking around at a colorado colorado rocky baseball game goes out into the concourse and says oh look at that they got one of those radar things I got you now. I read this. Let me. He throw me a couple of balls. I'll see what I can do. He throws 96 <laughs> miles an hour and gets signed by the Oakland A's. It's unbelievable. <laughs> have you ever tried one of those machines? Yes, I have. And I throw it as hard as I can, and it says 23 miles an <laughs> hour. I always think, well, let's see. Like This is when I was like 21 I tried it. Okay, the pros can throw around 100. College is 85, 90. I'm probably have at 70. Have you seen the video? We'll put the video on my Facebook page. Have you seen the video of him? Yeah, I play baseball my his, whole life. I get it to like 50. His first throw, they show, they, they show the video of him. His first throw is like 90. Yeah. 
He's like, oh. And you could tell he's like disappointed. Okay, give me another ball. Next one's 92. Next one's 94. Next one's 96. And the next tweet you see is him signing his contract for Billy Bean of the Oakland. He, they signed him. That's amazing. They signed him right out of the radar machine. Why not? He was a high school. The only thing he did is was a high school pitcher, never pitched in college. He's, he's, now, he's now a member of the Oakland Athletics organization That's i'll put cool the story. i'll try to remember to put the video on my on, on the mitch unfiltered facebook page which by the way you should follow uh let's do the the email i want to discuss the email that i sent to you i got a great email from a listener about the transgender segment that we did the athletes in connecticut yep. who are complaining and filing lawsuits that transgender athletes should not compete against females and you remember that that, that whole thing i got a real and, and i want to get your perspective because She's she's giving me something, our listener, that I think you can relate to a lot better than I can relate to. All right, we'll do I'm that ready. in the last segment. And we got three three interviews coming up. Peter King's first, followed by Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider, and then part three of your interview of me, and then we'll finish up the show. Hotshot, when you match world-class quality with convenience, you've got what I would call an unbeatable combination, work or live downtown, the brand new Downtown Daniels at the Hyatt Regency, the perfect place for business meetings or special events. Daniels Downtown Private Dining Room seats 88 for sit-down dinners and considerably more for the casual events. What do you get at Daniels Downtown Private Dining Room? World-class quality, complete control of your budget, and no room charge. Have a business or client meeting where you need to impress? Daniels Broiler has long been the choice of corporate Seattle. Special occasions like birthdays, anniversaries, or fantasy football leagues. Daniels has a long history of making those events special. If you live or work downtown, Daniels Private Dining Room is the perfect blend of world-class quality and convenience. Take advantage. Downtown Daniels Broiler at the new Hyatt Regency, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Less than a month away from the start of the college football season. The NFL won't be far behind. Thursday night, September the 5th. All of our football-related interviews are presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Six showrooms in the Pacific Northwest, including their signature location right there on North of Way, Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is our old friend Peter King, NBC Football Morning in America, the new Peter King podcast, the training camp tour. You already know what I think of you and your work but boy, it's been off the charts great the last few weeks. Uh, the the Jeopardy champion Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, <laughs> Grady Jarrett, yeah. Bruce Arians. I thought the Bruce Arians interview, Peter, was awesome. I really came away from that chat liking him more than I ever did before. He was great. Well, for, first of all, Mitch, I am so excited to be on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. <laughs> this is this is a this is a great moment for me. So thank you very much. Um, hey, listen, Bruce Arians touched the soul of America with the little 40-second snippet video that we put out uh, at NBCSports.com. It's funny, Mitch. I am learning a new world, a new life right now, uh, because I've never gone on a training camp tour and had to put out like five video interviews, snippets, whatever, every day. That's 
that's my concession to the new world. <laughs> I go and I spend a day at a training camp. No, I mean, uh, and I'm and I like it. Uh-huh. I like it because I'm with these two women, my coworkers at NBC. One's 28 and one is 23. Yeah, they know what people want to read, and they know what moves the needle out there. So I'm doing these videos. The other day, somebody at the Bucks said to me, "You got to ask Bruce Arians what he said to the coaches in his first coaching staff meeting." Right. So. I said, hey, Bruce, what did you say to your coaches in the first coaching staff meeting you had with them? Yeah. And he goes, I told them if they missed one of their kids' recitals, one of their kids' football games, and I found out about it, they're fired. And his whole point was that I've done that before. And you know what? It doesn't make you better and it makes your family life pretty pissy. So uh, you're not going to do that here. If you need some time off, you go do it, and you get your work done. I don't care if it's at midnight, 2 in the morning, whatever you do. Just get your work done and disappear if you need to do some family stuff. And so stuff like that has been really, really fun for me because I'm learning what the new fan likes, what the new followers of football like. And, I mean, I'm doing a lot of football out here, but, you know, I'm also realizing, I mean, Mitch, 756,000 people in the last three days, I'm serious, have, have, uh, have watched that, that Bruce Arians video. That's so, amazing. yeah, it is. It's, an, it's a new world, and I'm kind of learning to embrace it. You know, he's not very much well-liked out here just because he always came with that Arizona team and beat, beat the Seahawks yeah. at CenturyLink Field. I find his return to football somewhat interesting, especially as it relates to Jameis Winston. Is that, is that pair, yeah. pair going to thrive in your estimation, Peter? I think maybe the more important guy there is Byron Leftwich. Your listeners will understand that Leftwich uh, obviously was an NFL quarterback, played with the Jags mostly, but played with a bunch of teams. Uh, and Bruce Arians has made an offensive coordinator out of him. He always told him he loved Byron Leftwich because he coached him with the Steelers late in his career, and he loved him. He said he's a smart guy. He asked the right questions. Uh, so he came to work with him in Arizona, and now he's his offensive coordinator. And I watched him the other day for two and a half hours, very, very hands-on with Jameis Winston. Uh, and afterwards, we talked about, in fact, that's going to be in my Monday column, you know, some of the stuff that he said and, and, and how Jameis really has to learn, you know, take the check down, stop taking chances down the field. Now, he had four years of that, Dirk Cutter telling him to do that, and he never did it. So we'll see what happens now. You visited with Cam Newton, and I'm wondering right. whether you think Cam Newton – cares if people like him or not certainly he's aware that the press conferences after losses and some of the antics on the field rub (laughs) people the wrong way does he just not care or maybe is he is he oblivious to what other people think of him? i think he can mitch i think he does care and i think he wants to do the right thing and he wants to be uh he wants to do the yogurt commercials and all those things but his personality at times does get in the way. I, I, and look, I made this point the other day when I was at Carolina camp. I, it's ridiculous for me to say I know Cam Newton. I talk to him for 20 minutes every year. 
I mean, you know, he's not a lover of the press. I think the Panthers kind of make him do it. <laughs> you know, uh, the other day I was with Jalen Ramsey in Jacksonville camp, and I said to, uh, you know, the, my two coworkers after that, they said, hey, how do you think that went? And I said, that's a classic case. The PR guy tells him he has to do this. He doesn't want to do it. Right. Has no idea who I am or what I do, but he just sits there and answers the questions dutifully. <laughs> but Cam Newton, I think, is just the only reason I prefaced it is because I talked to him 20 minutes a year, so how do I know whether he's truly changed? But I do, I will say this about him that he was more mature than I've ever seen him before last week. In fact, he said he's really embracing after shoulder surgery, having to play football in a different way. And, you know, he told me I'm, I'm looking forward to being challenged to be a new quarterback. So we'll see how that works. Mm. But speaking of, of check downs, all he has, all he did last year, he learned how to check it down to uh, McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And, it, and it made him, it made him a much more efficient, less mistake prone quarterback. So, I don't really – I wouldn't be all that concerned if his if his shoulder after surgery is still bothering him some this year, yep. like it was in Andrew Luck's first year. I, I wouldn't be concerned with that because the, I think he's got right now in the – you know, in Christian McCaffrey, there is not a better check down running back in football. Now, Alvin Kamara and Le'Veon Bell are just as good, I think, but there's nobody better than Christian McCaffrey. 107 catches last year and 123 targets. That'll up your completion percentage in a hurry. The voice of Peter King, NBC, Football Morning in America. Nobody does it better than that. And the new Peter King podcast, our conversation with Peter and other football guests presented by Fireside Home Solutions, fireplaces, garage doors, beautiful barbecue setups. Check them out at firesidehomesolutions.com. When you were in Baltimore, did you visit with Earl Thomas? And if you did or didn't, what do you think – about him still being salty with Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks and the way that ended out here in the Northwest, Peter. Yeah, I put a little video up, Mitch, about it. Um, and I asked him, do you, do you regret anything? Do you regret how it ended in Seattle? And he said, I regret nothing. Um, and there's no question. I mean, look, I say this about guys like Earl Thomas, about Richard Sherman, and not just in Seattle, but you can talk about guys everywhere, Brett Favre in Green Bay. But when you leave a place, you might have some really raw emotions about leaving that place that are going to take years to soothe. But in my opinion, one day, I don't know, six, eight years from today, Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor uh, are going to walk arm in arm onto the field at CenturyLink Field, and it will be one of the loudest moments in the history of CenturyLink Field because those guys are beloved there. And one day again, I believe they will love all things Seattle as well. It's just that when you're in mid-career and you feel like, not necessarily in Richard Sherman's case, but certainly in Earl Thomas's case, that you were done wrong, um, I, I think it takes a while to get over that. But I think he will. He understands the cult-like devotion of the fans there and how much he was loved. Peter, do you think he was done wrong? Here's my take on this. I wanna, no, I, I don't. I, I, I want to throw this at you because it's really yeah. something that bothers me 
in this day and age in the NFL when players believe with one year left on their contracts, especially with one year, that they ought to be redone. If the Seahawks as an organization decide, hey, because of the salary cap, Earl, we love you. We think you're a pro bowler. We, We really do. But we can't spend a lot of money on you and everybody else. So we've decided to play this contract out. As soon as a team decides to do that, the player is offended. Now, I don't know whether Pete Carroll yeah. promised Earl something that he wasn't going to deliver on, but it right, just it just right. it seems to me that somewhere along the line it was decided when these guys sign contracts that they are that the team is obliged to give them a new one yeah. with one year left on the contract, Peter. Yeah, I agree with you, Mitch. I uh I thought it was really cool when Mike Tomlin uh signed a contract extension through, I think, 2021. He had a year left on his deal. I think he did. Is that right? Maybe he had two, but I I thought he had one. Um, And Tomlin said, you know, I don't concern with that, myself with that. Uh, I don't really think about that. If they want to have me around, they'll have me. Um, I like people who sign a four-year contract and expect it to be and expect to honor it for four years. So I agree with you. I think Earl Thomas was thinking that the only way that I'm going to get paid is if I get paid now, because I'm getting to the point where I'm going to be too used up to get a mega contract. And in fact, um, if the Ravens had not come along, I believe Earl Thomas would have signed one year, maybe 12 or 13 million with uh, Kansas city. And so he never would have gotten his real big payday. Uh, And so that to me is part of the whole equation too. Peter King uh, is on the Zeke's pizza hotline. Any thoughts on Roger Goodell's policing of the personal conduct policy? Many out here, Peter, as you know, are put off. That a few days after Tyreek Hill was not reprimanded by the league, Jaron Reed, not arrested, not charged in, in, in something that happened 20 months ago, was suspended for six games. People across the league are wondering, where's the consistency in what's right. coming out of the uh, out of the commissioner's office? What are your thoughts? Call on me, that? color me one of those. I'll, I'm one of those people. Look, Mitch, I, I don't know if you know Judy Batista. She was a longtime NFL reporter, or, or longtime reporter covering the NFL for the New York Times, and then later in her career moved to NFL.com and basically covers the news of football. Mm-hmm. She tweeted after Reed got six and after Hill got zero. Essentially, you can look it up, but she tweeted basically the NFL simply has to communicate the the decisions and the reasons for these decisions better. Right. No transparency. There's no transparency. Yeah. Yeah. There seemed to be no rhyme or reason of it. And 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 to me, the, the public and this is just and I'm I'm using the public capital T capital P with the amorphous. Uh, sort of unknown part of this. Okay, I think I, I w- I can, I'll just speak for the public. If you ask the average person uh, who, who deserves to be suspended more and you told them exactly what happened, they would say Tyreek Hill. And the reason is because he was on record as saying to his fiance, quote, you better be terrified of me too, 
B word, uh, end quote. And so, I mean, and, and there's been a lot of stuff uh, that he'll – now, look, I believe because it, no one has been charged in the injuring of his son, his son, three-year-old son got a broken arm. We can all speculate about that happened, but if we don't uh, – how, how it happened. But if we don't know, you can't suspend somebody if you don't know uh, if, he, if he injured a, a, a young child. Right. But – there seems to me to be, especially when he says that, at the very least, you should get one of the you should get a one or two game slap on the wrist by the league at least. And in my opinion, the league dropped the ball on that one. All right, we're going to end with your first pitch in Pensacola, but before I get there and discuss that high and outside floater, that Ephus pitch that you threw. Uh, I, I want to ask you, you've been to so many of these camps, and I can't do it, uh, Ravens, Jets, Falcons, Panthers, I'm doing this at the top of my head. Buccaneers, you're in Indianapolis now. You've been with the Denver Broncos, I think. Who's going to be good? Everybody listening to this wants to know, who does Peter King think? Do you get a vibe from these training camp visits? Who's going to be good? Who's not going to be good, Peter? I was at the Saints yesterday, and I like the Saints quite a bit. I'm thinking of picking them to do something grand. Uh, I mean, I haven't decided. And that's why, I mean, I start my West, I, I go to uh, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and, and Cleveland after this, then go home for a few days. And then the following week, I'll go out West. And so I don't have a great feel. Like, I, I'm i really interested in the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Very, very interested. Do you know Ross because Tucker? In my do, opinion, do, you, do you know Ross Tucker? Yeah. He, that was the first. Of course. That was the first team that he cited when he had him on. He thinks that people have well, forgotten I mean, about I'm, the 49ers. Yeah, I, I can tell you this right now. Uh, unless I am, unless I hear and see things the day I go to their camp that I don't like as much as I think I do, I'm picking them to make the playoffs. I know that. Um, look, every year there's three, two, three teams uh, that you look up on November 1st and you say, "Wow, where did they come from?" And I think if Garoppolo's healthy, if he step, slips on a banana peel again in September, you know, the Niners will win five games and there will be a drumbeat, you know, to get Lynch and Shanahan out of there, which Jed York won't do. But I, I think if Garoppolo is healthy, that they have a chance to win 10 games, be a playoff team, uh, and maybe win a game in January. I think they're a fascinating team. But of the teams I've seen so far, uh, Denver, Jets, Ravens, Eagles, uh, Carolina, Atlanta, Tampa, Miami, Jacksonville, New Orleans, and I'll see tomorrow, I'll see Indianapolis. The most fascinating team is Tampa. Okay. And it's because if Jameis Winston plays well, they have, they have an incredibly fast defense, a fascinatingly fast defense. And in my opinion, when I look at – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I say if Jameis Winston plays well under Arians and Leftwich, Tampa Bay could shock the world. I don't, how much they could win, I don't know. But they, they could be a lot better than we think. You know, the Dolphins paid nothing, essentially, for Josh Rosen, but I keep hearing that Fitzpatrick's going to win that job. I know everybody yeah. thinks they're going to be the worst team in the league, but since they're my hometown team, I have to ask. It was a very sad week for Dolphins fans like me who grew up in the 70s With and remember Nick Bonacani. Yeah. Uh, are the Dolphins going to be truly as bad as everybody says they're going to be? I think so. <laughs> um, I don't know. 
I don't know how they're going to score points. I think their defense is going to take a step back, even with Brian Flores. I think that at some point, Brian Flores has to play Josh Rosen a good six or seven games. They have to know what they have in Rosen. It's silly to trade a two for a guy and then not to give him a chance to show that he should be your quarterback. Now, I think none of us believe that he's going to be their quarterback because I mean, if I were to just guess right now, I think Miami is going to be a bottom three team in the NFL. And if that's the case, then they're going to have a chance to take a very good quarterback next year. What does that mean? If they're in the, if they're in the, uh, if they have a chance to take a Justin Herbert, well, they, they had better, they had better figure out between now and then uh, that uh, they've, I mean, they had better figure out who, what they have at, at quarterback right now. And in my opinion, I, I don't, I don't think they will play Fitzpatrick for 16 games, even if, even if he's healthy. Um, but your question after being at that camp and I talked to Flores, there's no question that uh, Fitzpatrick is significantly ahead right now. Okay. Let's finish with what I gather from your first pitch. You were at the Pensacola. What are they? The blue? They're the blue Wahoos. The blue Wahoos. Now, based on the yeah. pitch, and I saw, here's what I saw. I'm going to do some deductive reasoning. I'm, I'm going to show you my, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show you my brilliance here. I saw, I saw the pitch and I also saw your tweet. And so here's what I, I'm yeah. going to psychologically analyze you. You went out to that mound thinking, just don't bounce the ball up there. Don't bounce yeah. the ball up there. If I throw because, it over the catcher's if head. You don't, <laughs> if you don't, if you have not, you know, thrown many baseballs in recent years, like in the last 25 years, and the only ball you've thrown, I mean, I've thrown first pitches out at a few games and you do that, then the easiest thing to do is to get up on a mound. And it's not natural. You're thrown on flat ground. I'll throw, I'll throw somebody a strike. Yeah. But if you're, uh, if you're not on flat ground, you, you know, you, it's unnatural to throw on a mound when you haven't thrown on a mound in 15 years. So <laughs> I just said, hey, listen, I'm just going to lob it in there and not bounce it because <laughs> bouncing it was not an option. <laughs> Enjoy Indianapolis and all the rest of your training camp visits. Let's uh, let's visit again soon. Thank you, Peter. Thank you so much. Sounds great, Mitch. Thanks thanks a lot for the call. There he is, our guy Peter King of NBC Football Morning in America. Training camp after training camp after training camp in the NFL with a very sorry and feeble first pitch stuck in between. The Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage tells me that projections are for rates to continue to drop the rest of the year. Time for homeowners to save money is here. So don't stand on the sidelines while others do so. Our producer, Steve Dion, sent me a note on Friday that his refinance is now complete and he not only will save a ton of cash, but couldn't have been happier with the patience and professionalism of Jordan Flowers' team. In fact, we're going to have Steve on the show in the future to discuss his dealings with the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. I continue to encourage all of our homeowners in the Mitch Unfiltered audience to take a good look at your numbers and better yet, pick up the phone, dial up Jordan Flowers or his team at Guild Mortgage at 425-250-CAM-CHANCELLOR-KJ-WRIGHT, 425-250-3150. 
50. It doesn't take but five or 10 minutes to find out if you should be looking into a refi. The Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage has three top 1% brokers in the U.S. in that very office, including Jordan, honest expertise, making complicated situations very simple, 425-250-3150, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Unfiltered. Well, the big scrimmage at Pop Caney Stadium is in the books. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is Brady Henderson, of course, Seahawks insider for ESPN.com, and now Mitch Unfiltered, Seahawks insider, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Six showrooms in the Pacific Northwest, including their signature location right there on North Upway. That's Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue. Brady, the scrimmage at Pop Caney Stadium. I know that there was a big success being there. How'd the team look? What, what kind of uh, takeaways did you have from Saturday's scrimmage? Well, you know what? I mean, I think it's easy when we see Russell Wilson just always be as consistent as he is. It's kind of easy to take him for granted sometimes. And, um, you know, he goes out there and completes, you know, his first three passes on the, on an opening touchdown drive. Just looks exactly like you kind of always see Russell Wilson looking. And, by the way, uh, you know, he had sort of had kind of a whirlwind weekend going – you know, flying to Virginia on Friday to attend the funeral of his grandfather, uh, who recently passed away, and then he caught a, a late flight and made it back in time uh, for the scrimmage on Saturday. So, um, you know, that, that's not the easiest circumstances. Anybody who has dealt with something like that and then tried to go right back to work realizes it's not very easy to do that. Just to kind of put that aside. So, that was the first thing that that stuck out that uh, stood out to me. Um, Chris Carson, I thought, just you know, the same as he has looked throughout camp, just looks like a guy who is ready to play football right now. Um, you know, he missed a, a ton of the off season after. I um, think he had a, a, a knee scope, an arthroscopic procedure on his knee. Um, this looks like he has not missed any time. So he had a nice touchdown run on that opening drive that I mentioned, really a, a sort of winding touchdown run where he cut back several times. Uh, and then one more thing that stood out was uh, the linebackers. You know, I, I, have, I think I have mentioned this before. Um, you know, with all the questions about where is the pass rush going to come from, um, I wonder, and actually I think, that you know, they're going to have to lean on their linebackers maybe a little bit more than they have. They have not been a heavy blitzing team under Pete Carroll, but um, they have three excellent blitzers in Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, and Michael Kendricks. And on one of the first plays of that scrimmage, you saw Kendricks come uh, right off the edge, look just like an edge rusher, basically. You know, he was playing from a two-point stance, but you know, it would have been a sack had they been able to, to take down the quarterback. So. I do think you're going to see a lot of that this year. All right, you beat me to the punch because I was going to talk about the overall defense outside of the linebackers. We'll come back to that in a second. Otherwise, I'm going to lose track of where we are. Uh, any other names that stood out positive? And then, I hate, to, I hate to ask you to do it, but stick your neck out. Anybody not look so good on either offense, defense, special teams? One guy that looked good was uh, Jazz Ferguson. Remember, he's the yeah. undrafted rookie free agent uh, who, who they signed right after the draft and really – kind of got off to a poor start. You know, Pete Carroll volunteered that uh, he was out of shape. You know, he was pretty, he was pretty um, frank about that, said he was overweight. I can't remember the number that he said. Um, but, you know, Jazz Ferguson is a very big guy. And when he showed up to rookie minicamp, he looked, you know, more like a tight end than a big wide receiver. But he had a couple of nice plays down the stretch, caught really two touchdown passes. One was um, sort of a weird play where it looked like it was going to be an interception to Trey Flowers, but the ball – bounced off his hands, and, and uh, Jazz Ferguson did a nice job of staying with it and caught it for a touchdown. And then on, on the final play, 
uh, really caught a bullet in the end zone from Geno Smith. Um, so, you know, that's another name to, to keep in mind in that wide receiver okay. competition. And, okay. you know, we sort of tend to focus on, you know, which of those smaller kind of slot guys is going to be the final guy. But, um, you know, somebody like Jazz Ferguson could make that, you know, interesting in terms of, you know, maybe, maybe that last guy isn't what we think it is. Maybe it's not the sort of Baldwin replacement slot guy. Maybe it's just who they feel like is the next best receiver. So um, he had a good day, especially towards the end there. Uh, David Moore, you know, we haven't really heard, a, haven't really talked as much about him just because he's a guy that we figure is already going to be there, which he is. I mean, he's um, certainly a lock to make that team. But he had two uh, incredible leaping catches on uh, one of the scoring drives, both from Russell Wilson. And if you remember last year during the preseason when he was really one of the standouts, that's, those are the types of plays that he was making. It's, you know, going up and getting it, you know, really out jumping the defender. He's probably the best you know, guy in their receiver core at doing that, and he had a couple of nice ones. Okay. As far as guys who, who didn't really look good, you know, I wouldn't say that Geno Smith looked bad because um, he did lead those those two late touchdown drives, but kind of uneven. You know, you saw, you know, I mentioned that, that touchdown, the first one to Jazz Ferguson, that was really an underthrown ball. Um, may have got caught up in the wind a little bit, but he really didn't get enough on that, and that's why Trey Flowers was in position to pick that. And then um, just had a couple, you know, errant overthrows. Okay. Uh, I believe it was Paxton, Paxton Lynch. Lynch is ahead of him. You'd say for the backup. No, quarter? No. No, I, no, I would not say that. I, okay. I, I still think that uh, if you're handicapping it right now, it's, okay. it's Geno Smith ahead of Lynch. Okay. Um, and, you know, Geno Smith, look, he can look erratic. I think you you got to realize the context here, and I should point this out, that I think any backup quarterback, any guy who's not a starter, uh, there's going to be a drop-off, a noticeable drop-off when you go from a guy like Russell Wilson to Paxton Lynch. So yeah. um, I think that if, if Geno Smith ends up with that job, you know, he's a guy that could potentially win you a game or two. Um, it may not look pretty, but, you know, he has enough starting experience and enough talent, I think, to, you know, to where you'd, you'd feel at least okay. DK Metcalf didn't play in the scrimmage. Uh, are we to assume because I think there'll be a lot of disappointed Seahawk fans if they put on the TV or go to the game on Thursday against the Broncos exhibition game number one and not see DK Metcalf I think he's the most intriguing and the most uh, interested of all of the uh, the players of all especially the new players the eyes will be focused of Seahawk fans on DK Metcalf should he play do we expect him to play on Thursday yeah, not quite sure yet. You know, the the way Pete Carroll described it, he, I think he described it as a, a little oblique strain uh, that happened at the very end of practice on Friday. And he was talking about, you know, DK Metcalf possibly making it back uh, by Monday's practice. So uh, he did not commit to that. But, you know, right. if, if there's a chance that he could be back by Monday, then, you know, that would seem to be a, a good chance that he could play uh, by Thursday. But then again, you, it's, I don't really, you know, hear a lot about guys coming back that quickly from oblique strain so we'll have to wait and see on that okay. one the brady henderson index earlier in the week on twitter said 40 catches is that what you said 42 catches for dk metcalf in his rookie season you think he's gonna wind his way into either the starting two or the starting three when they go to three wide receiver sets right that's your prediction that that is my prediction yeah and you know the 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 way i came up with that number was you know there's a long history of wide receivers under Pete Carroll, rookie wide receivers who, um, you know, maybe come in with a lot of hype or maybe even not, but, you know, it really takes those guys a year or two to get going. Golden Tate, probably the best example. Remember, he was the standout or one of the standouts uh, in 2010 as a rookie and really kind of had a pretty flat, underwhelming rookie season. So, um, you know, the starting point I looked at was Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, uh, Lockett in 2015, Doug Baldwin in 2011, both I think had right around 50 catches. Um, so figuring that that's a that's a 
awfully high bar for DK Metcalf to meet. I just went sort of 10 underneath that. Um, so right now, if I had to guess, I would say, you know, maybe 35 to 40. Um, and then, you know, we'll, but again, I reserve the right to change my mind if I see him score several <laughs> touchdowns in the preseason. And, you know, always, always, always reserve the right to change my mind. It's the voice of Brady Henderson on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Our conversation with Brady and other football guests presented by Fireside Home Solutions, fireplaces, garage doors, beautiful barbecue setups. Check them out at firesidehomesolutions.com. They were out at the house on Friday. They're going to help me come up with a solution for my garage doors. The one guy we're definitely not going to see on Thursday and not for a while, is the first-round choice LJ Collier. They're calling it a unique ankle sprain. At least that's what Pete Carroll's saying. He's not seen this type of ankle sprain before. Do you want to play Dr. Brady Henderson for us and tell us why this this ankle sprain is different than others and how long is it going to be for LJ, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, in terms of what it is and why it's different, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, there, I think there were initial reports of a high ankle sprain, but uh, it doesn't seem like it is, is a high ankle sprain. It may have looked like that uh, initially, and that's why those reports were out there. But uh, from what I understand, it's not that. It's something that, like Pete Carroll said, they, they really um, – something that's not very common at all. And, you know, he didn't really put a, any sort of specific timetable on it other than to say – basically that it's going to be a matter of weeks. And, you know, I think whenever you hear Pete Carroll talk about injuries, if he says, you know, they're hoping the guy can get back in a couple weeks, you know, probably three weeks is maybe more realistic because he's always going to err on the side of, of optimism there. Um, he didn't say anything. He didn't specify anything other than that. And I sort of got the impression that this could be something that keeps him out for the majority, if not all, of the preseason. And, um, again, you know, we've talked – at length about the issues with the pass rush. So that is certainly yeah. Yeah, not going to make any matter, yeah. make matters any better there. But you know, one thing I'll say too is, um, you know, there's the impact that it's going to have on the pass rusher and there's the impact that it's going to have on the player's development. And remember, LJ Collier only started for one season at TCU. So this is not a guy with a ton of, of football, at least a ton of starting experience under his belt. And, you know, Dwayne Brown even said he, um, I think it was right, you know, a few minutes after the injury happened, um, he was sort of raving about, you know, how hard LJ Collier works, but he said, you know, he's raw uh, and, and he's got some developing to do. So true of all rookies, but um, I think that's true of LJ Collier, tr- especially. And, yeah. uh, you know, as we know, with rookies, the, the preseason is really a, an important time to hone those skills. So that is a setback for him if he does indeed have to miss most, if not all of the preseason. We'll end our conversation with the defense. My unfiltered opinion gets your reaction of the defense, and it involves LJ Collier, and I think you're exactly right. I think a, bet, a betting man would say he's not going to make much of a positive impact in this year one if he doesn't have training camp, if he's hurt, if he gets a late start, if he's inexperienced to begin with. It's just really, it doesn't seem like, uh, I'll be surprised if in the middle of the season we're talking about LJ Collier as a significant uh, uh, force on that defense. Before we get my opinion and I get your response to it, Let's tie up a couple of other loose ends with Brady Henderson. Ayu Apati uh, in a boot, probably not going to play on Thursday, at least early in this exhibition season. How's Posick doing? And then uh, any any kind of PS to the Bobby Wagner contract and him representing himself? Yeah, as far as Ayu Apati, he, he's been out a few days. He did not play in the scrimmage, but he has since gotten out of that walking boot. So he may have only been in the boot for uh, one day. Pete Carroll called it a, you know, a mild foot sprain so it sounds like he's going to be back soon again as a veteran guy coming off an injury you may not see him in that first preseason game but um, it seems like he's going to be back pretty soon Um, and in terms of Bobby Wagner you know 
I think he did a marvelous job with that contract. And, you know, usually it takes uh, a few days for the details to come out uh, to be available. You know, you, uh, initially you hear the, you know, years, the guarantee, the total, um, and then you get the chance to really diagnose or really assess the deal once you see the details of it. And, um, you know, I, I can't find fault with anything that he did there. I'll tell you really quickly, one thing that I really liked is um, he has a very small amount of money tied up in per-game roster bonuses. And the way those work are teams will usually, when they're negotiating, they'll try to take some money out of what a player would earn in salary, and they'll tie that up in per-game roster bonuses, meaning if a player, you know, if a guy misses a game, if he turns his ankle and he is on that, you know, seven-man inactive list, so he's not active for a game, well, the player won't make that money. Right. Um, and, you know, you'll see guys with, you know, $2 million, $1 million, $2 million per season uh, some guys in tied up in per game roster bonuses. He has only seven hundred fifty thousand dollars tied up over those three seasons. So two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars in per game roster bonuses per season. So all the money that he doesn't have tied up in those is money that he's instead getting in salary, meaning he's going to make that no matter what. Assuming of course that he's still on the team. So um, a really good job by Bobby Wagner, and I think you know importantly too, um, he he got through that negotiation, and both sides did with you know every indication is that it remained amicable throughout. So um, he got a great deal, remained amicable. And by the way, you know, he saves that 3% too. So, you know, whatever 3% of $54 million is, you know, 1.5 million, um, that's another win for Bobby there. Brady, I'll, I'll end with you with what I started this episode with, and that's my opinion on the defense. I just can't close my eyes and see this defense being any good. It was not a good defense last year, either against the run or against the pass. I think it gave up something like 4.9 or 5 yards a carry, uneven amounts of pass rush, uh, bottom in the statistics in the league or towards the bottom. You get rid of Frank Clark. You lose your nickel corner. Now LJ Collier's not going to have a training camp or a preseason. Who knows whether Ziggy Ons is going to be ready, and if he is, what he's got left. You talked about the really good linebackers, and I'll give you that. But if you put your hand over the linebackers and look at the rest of this defense from a defensive line perspective against the run, against the pass, you look at the secondary, I didn't think Shaq Griffin had a good year last year, mediocre at best, and not good in the big-time games, big moments. I don't know what Trey Flowers has on the other end. I don't know who the nickel corner is. There's questions at safety beyond McDougald. I I don't know. Maybe you're going to call me just a negative Nelly, a pessimist. But I don't know. It's kind of a math equation. I can't figure out how anybody could expect this defense to be very good this year. What am I missing? Convince me otherwise, Brady. Yeah, I, I'm afraid that I, I cannot make a compelling argument against that. I mean, I, I, I will say, you know, let me play devil, devil's advocate on a few of the points, you know, as far as the run defense. Um, I don't think it can be much worse than it was last year. That was the most yards per carry they had allowed under Pete Carroll. Um, you know, it, maybe it's going to help that you got Al Woods. You basically swap out Shamar Stephan for no, no Jaron no Reed either. I didn't even mention that for six weeks. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that. He's their best right. interior defensive lineman. Continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, in terms of, of a pass rusher and a, and a run stopper yeah. as well. So, yeah. um, you know, maybe you know maybe it helps to have your three linebackers healthy and available, uh, which they did not have last season. You know, those guys are obviously a big part of, of run defense as well. Um, I think that they are certainly counting on. Uh, I don't think. I know that they are counting on and expecting Shaquille Griffin to have a bounce back season, maybe, you know, play more like he did as a rookie uh, than he did last year when, you know, there was a couple of those big plays that got away from him. He wasn't really, you know, after those first few games, wasn't really making plays on the ball 
uh, wasn't really finishing for whatever reason, seemed a little uh, overweight, you know, in, in his own words. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, again, you know, we're talking about a lot of, of things that you haven't really seen. You're sort of projecting them to happen. Um, so it, it is a big leap of faith. If you're going to expect this defense to be good this year, uh, you're really taking a leap of faith and expecting and hoping uh, that several guys play better than they did last year, right. um, which, again, there, there's just never any guarantee that that will happen. So you remember, am, you, you remember, Brady, for years and years and years when they would do these scrimmages early in the preseason or when you would go out to practice or when I would go out to practice, do the radio show from practice, we said the same thing year after year after year, which is the defense was always – the kings of that field. They always, no matter how good Russell Wilson was, we always commented and wrote, right? The defense is ahead of the offensive defense. And now you started our segment by talking about how the offense moves the ball down the field. They score three touchdowns right away. Russell Wilson looks impactful, 11 of 17, coming back from across the country. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it just feels like a different era of Seattle Seahawks football where the offense is ahead of the defense. Yeah, certainly. This is the first time that, that you know, you really go into a season thinking that this is going to be a team that you know, maybe the offense has to carry. You know, certainly in those early years when they were breaking Russell in, it was the opposite of that. And then even, you know, as good as you felt about Russell's development over the last few years, it was, it was by and large a, you know, a team that you probably felt better about the defense. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of uncharted territory for them. And it really, it really does. Uh, you know, we've talked about Ziggy Ansah a lot, but it really does make it all the more important for him to, to be ready as soon as possible. They're not going to rush him, of course. They're not going to play him when he's not ready. But um, they really need him ready, and they need him to make as, as big of an impact as possible just because he's the one guy. He's the one guy that, that has a chance to get double-digit sacks. Well, there's our guy, Brady Henderson. He does it great for ESPN and ESPN.com, the Seahawks insider. He's going to be a Mitch Unfiltered insider as well, brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. We'll talk after exhibition game number one. We all get a chance to watch this team put on the uniforms and, and run out at uh, CenturyLink Field. So let's talk after that, and we'll assess exhibition game number one. All right, Brady? You got it. I'll talk to you then, Mitch. So LJ Collier is now out several weeks with a unique ankle sprain, and the injuries continue to slowly pile up on the Seahawks, which they can ill afford. Brady Henderson, the Seahawks insider for ESPN and ESPN.com. I'm still coming down from the high of another visit to the Monterey Peninsula last weekend. Thanks to Evergreen Golf Call, our proud title sponsor of the Unfiltered Majors Challenge. Our champion Caleb Sampson and his guest Jason roam the fairways of one of the most magnificent golf destinations in the world. Pebble Beach and Spyglass Hotel Accommodations at the Lodge at Pebble Beach, all thanks to Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest with headquarters here in Bellevue, but offices in Portland, San Francisco, Napa Valley, managing and growing billions of dollars for clientele throughout the country and the world. I'll be over at their offices this week to interview Tyler Hay, who leads the company, one of the 40 under 40 in the Puget Sound Business Journal. In fact, Evergreen Golf Call has just started this podcast called the Evergreen Exchange. Evergreen Golf Call, evergreengolfcall.com, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Okay, part one was on episode 50. That went well. There were some complaints. I don't want to hear about Mitch. I want to hear about sports. There were a couple of complaints. You were stepping on me. 
They said that you were jumping in. Yep. I don't know. There were some talking but, over but you. But 99%, would you say 90% of the reaction to episode 50s turning the tables, the interviews were pretty good. That's right. And I even heard from a couple of friends who became patrons because they had to hear that the rest of the rest of your life, part <laughs> well, two. Well, we did we did part two, and that wasn't the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We, we did part two on episode 50P, which is the patron side of this, $5 a month. And you can get the extra. We do two shows a week for the people who don't know that by now. Two shows a week. The second one is a patron show, but you've got to go to go to MitchUnfiltered.com and click on Become a Patron. And for five dollars a month, as low as five dollars a month, you get the extra. You get the extra shows each week. We do commercial free week. too. Commercial free each yep. week. That's right. Right. So the floor is yours. Okay. Last last we left Mitch. We yeah. Were, where were we? We were in Seattle. You decided to take the job. I mean, you. you Announced to your family, you announced to everybody, I'm not moving to Seattle. It's not happening. And then your agent and your family said, you might want to think about this because this might be the opportunity right. to do the kind of show that you wanted. She wanted me, my agent Ellen Beckwith wanted me to take the Seattle job. Mitch in the midday. She wanted me to replace Brian Wheeler. <laughs> she had it out for him. <laughs> Always hated Brian for she, some she, reason. Because mm. she thought, I, I, I think I was offered a, a gig on a couple of networky things. Yeah, right. Which don't work out. Sports In fact, that's part of that's part of the future if we ever get there. Um, but yeah, there were some others. She just wanted me to take the job in Seattle. She thought this job in Seattle at KJR was the job, the right job for me because they were embracing the different my differences. Right. Let's I mean, put it that way. They just had the fight with the sports babe, so clearly they're open to that entertainment type. I mean, yeah, I don't know about her, but yes, she was entertaining and she wasn't just diehard sports. Okay. So yes, okay, clearly yeah. they're open to it. Yeah. So at what point do you remember when you called Tom Lee to, to say you're taking it or did your agent handle all that? Don't remember. Do you remember how that went? Don't remember. Was there any negotiation? Just remember the first, when I flew out here, not, I was depressed when I flew out here for the audition. I told you that on whatever episode. Yep. Um, and then I remember the first day I came to town, I was going to start on a Monday. I came on Friday to move in. By myself, I came to town. I just remember how depressed and where I where I spent Saturday. So you flew in on a Friday, and and there was no turning back. It wasn't just for like a quick visit to sign a contract. The, the, no, no, you're here. I'm here. Okay, and then yeah, you- they gave me they 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 set me up with a, a temporary apartment. It was not <laughs> oh, at the geez. DoubleTree and SeaTac, oh, which is where they put me up for the audition. Right, the DoubleTree and Tuckwilla this time. Uh, this was January. Th- I think I came in January 10th. That's not right. Was it? Ni- it was in. J- it was January 1995. I came in on a Friday. We started on a Monday. I got a, a temporary apartment in Queen Anne, and I remember I got up on Saturday morning. I didn't know anybody, right. obviously. Um, no, I, I knew no one at the station yet. Really, I didn't know what to do. And so, do you know the Safeway that's at the top of Queen Anne? Of course. Kind of a co- cross from like uh, what was that Nike that 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 yeah. bar lounge that was pretty hot for yep, a while yep. pair a pair or something Paragon Paragon right yep. you know that's that Safeway I, I went into that Safeway <laughs> and I spent three hours in there <laughs> doing what just walking around walking around <laughs> with nothing to do nothing to do wow and I was very homesick that's kind of sad I was, I was questioning myself from from the minute I got off the plane because I didn't really did I. I I decided to do it with a kick from my agent and my my mom and dad. We went through this on the last on the on the patron episode. My dad said, and I'll just review this real quickly. My mom and dad both said, "Listen, don't think of it as Seattle to Florida. Think of it of as how 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 long it would take to get home, yeah, and how long it would take for us to come visit. If you got a job, this is what they said. If you got a job in Gainesville tomorrow, you would how would you get home? And I said, I'd drive. Well, it would take you five hours. Yeah. So instead of taking a five-hour drive from Gainesville to, to Florida, don't look at a map. 
take the five-hour flight, or we'll take the five-hour flight, and we'll see each other a lot. Go, go do your thing. Don't worry about us. It's a good perspective for you. That's good. It was, you know, it so was what it was. When you were at DC, and I was really, I was really sad when I first got here. But I remember being sad. Yeah. But did, did I mean obviously you got offered more money because you were working? You said part time towards the end at WTEM in Washington, yes, right? So was, I was part time. Was, was the money like okay, this is great? I'm making a nice living. Or? You want to know what it was? Yeah, I was just curious. Uh, it was probably more than you've ever made. I'm guessing. Oh, of course. Yeah. So I'm wondering. Well, I made twenty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> What's so funny? What are you, Mitch's board off now? What? That's like what I made is your board. No, off. no, no, no. I made <laughs> I made twenty eight thousand in the first job out of school with with mutual to do that nine hundred thing right. I told you about. Um, I think I signed a two year contract for 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 fifty five the first year and sixty the second year with KJR. In nineteen in January of nineteen ninety five. Okay, I think it was fifty five the first year. Tom Lee might know if you can find him. Nineteen ninety five money. So. I think it was nineteen ninety. I think it was fifty to do midday show to do my first show. I'd never been on a. I'd never done my own show before. Yeah, yeah but so that, that, so that was, that was. I mean, but to me, yeah. I mean, it was enough money to get an apartment. And to me, I was at the stage of my life. This is nineteen ninety five. I was born in sixty seven. So this is. I'm twenty seven years old. And to me, it was like, okay, am I doing this whole broadcasting thing? You know, my father told me, I sh- don't go to Syracuse because you're going to become a lawyer and then you're going to be stuck in this whole broadcasting <laughs> thing. It's going to fade. Um, am I going to give this a go or not? So it, the, the job was more about the job than it was making money. Yeah, I needed to make enough money to live. But other than that it was, okay, I'm going to give this a go. I've never had, there's never been a Mitch Levy show. Right. So this was going to be Mitch in the Midday. 12 to 3 on KJR, and I was going to give this a go. But that had to be kind of exciting for you, though, right? We, I mean, if someone said, hey, it's going to be the Hot Shot show at 27, I would have been, let's do it. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah. I mean, but you're saying you were kind of sad and depressed about it. I just didn't know. I, I was in a different world. And this is not a great town to come move to in January, in mid-January. Because of the weather and everything. Yeah, and I'm from yeah. Florida. I mean, I yeah. and I didn't know anybody, and, and, and nobody knew me. And, and then the show got off to a really rocky start. So, so you... So Saturday, you walk around a grocery store for three I hours. I was in Safeway for three ev- hours. Evicted out of there for loitering. It's, it's not a QFC, is it? A Safeway? No, it's a Safeway. It used to be at least. I don't know. I'm oh, maybe it's a QFC. No, there's a Safeway at the top of the hill, though, and there maybe there's a QFC too. <sighs> okay, I can't remember was QFC or Safeway, but okay. So you come in and are, do you start on the air Monday? Is that like your yeah, first, first show. show? Yeah, and it's from Horrible. noon noon to three. Horrible. Gabriella Sabatini in a, in a wet T-shirt. Out of the gate. Out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Was that something you had thought about that you're going to do? Like, I'm going to kind of crowbar this no, in at I some point? I don't remember. It just came out. It just came out on the I air? Think I, was on, I think I was watching TV, and she was in a, in a match on the weekends. I was probably watching QFC. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> in the television department on the aisle seven. I think I, was, I was. I think I was watching. I don't. I, I don't. I don't remember. But that was the first show. So when you get into the first yeah. show, do you have a producer? Because you got Todd Harmon, as Todd I recall. Harmon. Okay, that sounds. He familiar. was. Just, I, I just. I just inherited whatever they had. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get to pick anything. Okay. And Brian Wheeler was pissed. I met him. He was pissed. He didn't want. I mean, he didn't he want. He was to clearly upset. Well, he wouldn't act that way because he's just the most superhuman right. being on the face of the earth. But he was disappointed. He thought it was his show, and I went on and did this first show, and everybody thought it was the worst show of all time. Everybody. What do you mean, everybody? Everybody. Listeners. Was, yes. People calling in. Get rid of this guy. Whatever ratings they had went down to like. Tem ratings. You can't and, look at the ratings after one day back then. So no, you, no, you no. Don't I'm talking about. No, I'm talking. Oh, I'm talking months in a. No, oh, I'm gotcha. Okay. Uh, it was just a horrible, horrible start. Um, I was convinced one week into this thing, three months, and they'll they'll, they'll fire me. Well, they they'll pay me and get me, they'll pay me to leave. 
they'll pay me to leave. Two years worth of pay? You, th- you thought that was going to happen? I mean, they committed oh, I don't to a know. two-year contract. I don't know if they were committed to the whole two years or not. I don't remember anymore. Well, I, I got the contract somewhere if you want. Do you? Yeah, somewhere. It feels like they, that they liked you, though, because they, they would have given you a year if they weren't quite sure. But they, they gave you two years. So I think I've asked you this before, but how long until you started getting traction and you're like, oh, okay, there's something going on here? Do you, uh, you remember how long it took? Because you said it took a little while. Well... I thought things were going shitty, and and then they started coming to me that year, that first year. I knew that I must have been doing okay when late in that first year they started pushing me to do mornings right. on one of the two radio. We've gone through this. Did we talk about this? Yeah, where it was uh, you and Rob Tepper, the team man. And- so Tepper came after me, and yeah. he was the nighttime guy. I was the mid midday go. He was a New Yorker. I was a Floridian. Everybody thought I was a New Yorker, and. Soon thereafter, they had decided as a group, Carl Weinstein, Bob Case, mm-hmm. uh, Michael O'Shea, he wasn't really involved in the guy, Tom Lee, of course, who was so so great to me and tried to pry me away. There's that story, too, for another day, I yeah. guess. Um, they started, they decided as a group that, that they wanted, who was it, Charlie and Ty in the morning? Charlie and Ty were on Cube 93 for like 20, years. And it was Michael years. Knight in New York, Vinny. That's right, I remember. They were on the morning show in KJR, mm-hmm. and they just decided as a group they wanted out. They wanted Charlie and Ty out, and they wanted, I think, Michael Knight in New York, Vinny out, and they wanted one of us to do one of the shows and one of us to do the other shows. And I can recall that they weren't, at the beginning, they weren't convinced which guy should do which. Which guy should do which. What it your life would have been like if you changed. did Cube 93 for... Yeah, I would have been out in about two, <laughs> two and a half weeks <laughs> <That's> again. <right. laughs> Um, so that's the way that happened. So did you, and so then I, then, um, I I was there until March, March, the following year. So this would have been 96. I started on as, as the morning show host. And then, and then it became, okay, this is going to work. I guess this is going to work. So I'm guessing that the, was there a pretty sizable bump in pay when you went to mornings? I don't remember anymore. Yeah. They did a new contract. Okay. And I started because you wouldn't do mornings for sixty five. No, back no, then. no. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. did a new contract, and then um, we started doing contracts every two years, every three years. Every I did a number, number, and they kept on paying me more and more, and they they treated me very well. That's great. Until the end, they treated me very well. <laughs> Until the end. Yeah. Well, there's always an end for all of us in radio. No, 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 no. I don't. I, I, you, I, I don't mean that they didn't treat me well at the end. I said until I'm saying all the way they treated right. me very well. Gotcha. Yeah. Up until the end of it. Up until the end of the contract. Right. Or Howard's, end of the run. Howard Stern said the radio is like the mafia. You know you're going to get whacked. You just don't know when. And <laughs> we've all been well, whacked. Well, <laughs> I guess I was whacked. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been there. We've been there. Yeah. All right. So you moved to mornings and you need a board op. And you asked me if I want to come be. Did your I board ask op. you? You did. Or did somebody else ask you? Um, because I, I didn't think it was a good, a particularly good choice. <laughs> But I would work for eighteen five a year, though. Was it eighteen five? Can't find too many more of those. I, I remember. Well, I, don't know. I'm a, I don't know what I was making. I wasn't making much more than that. I guess a little bit more. Yeah. I remember driving in the first day, going, "I, I can't do this. I'm 21. Yeah, I can't get up this early. Yeah. So, I mean, you were a young guy too, 28. It was both horrible. a couple guys in our 20s. I remember up. a guy. What was his name? Bill did news. Bill Rice. Bill Rice. Yes. Did news for Cube. Bill too. Rice came up to me after we started doing mornings. I said, I don't think I can do this. He said, trust me, you get you get used to it. Oh, good advice. No, it wasn't. Never. Never got used Not to it. Not one day. 22 years later, I was cursing Bill Rice. <laughs> <laughs> Damn son of a bitch you, told me I was going to get used to it. I never got used to you it. You thought Lyle Alzado was, was a random reference Horrible. to Bill Rice. Bill Rice. Whoops. Yeah. He started his newscast like that. <laughs> I used to walk in at like 5.45 and I'd see Ty Flint because Charlie and Ty got moved to another station and he'd be, oh. he'd be smoking. It's like, and I'd have to yeah. walk through it and I was like ready to throw up. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can't do this. Not yeah. one day did my alarm clock go off and I was like, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm up. I hated it every single day. The only 
upside to it is that I never got used to it. You're in your car at 10:30 and you're making nice money. That's the only thing that I makes never it got used to it. And I don't want to bring this thing down, so I won't. I won't harp on it, but it it became a part of my story. Actually, the the lack of sleep and the sadness and you know just feeling tired. I mean, you know what that you know what that feels like. And when when things aren't going right in your life. That's not a help. You're not, not getting not getting sleep is yep. not a help when you're not you're not right up here. Were you napping during the day, oh, yeah. or did yeah, you go to bed early? Uh, I napped during the day. Well, then kids came along, you know, and everything changed. Yeah. And and you know, summer times I like to play golf, and so I tried to play golf. And yeah, I napped a lot during the day. I'd nap for hours and hours and hours. I yeah, did too. I, yeah, because I didn't go to bed early. Like uh, you'd hear like people like Howard saying, well, I couldn't go, but I couldn't. I mean, who's going to bed at eight o'clock? Well, I couldn't because there were games the night before that I had to talk about. Oh, yeah. Right. Sports. How about when how about when the Mariners are playing at seven o'clock every night and you want to go to bed at eight o'clock is the the alarm's going to ring at four. But you got to know you got to know details and have an opinion about the game the night before. That's right. How you going to bed before 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So it was just this, you know, constant, you know, Groundhog Day all over again. Yeah. For for 10 years I napped. Yeah. I napped. (laughs) <laughs> it was awful because then you wake up and you're all like you don't know where you are you're a little out of it it's yeah. like four o'clock yeah <laughs> i don't know it's a dark yeah. then you can't light. go to sleep that night yeah awful awful you yeah gotta, yeah. Yeah. I know. yeah but i don't think anybody cares about that all right good yeah all right so your mornings is cooking along you're doing great no nah, i'm doing okay. okay and then we got a little hot and I, it, it was very up and down in terms of ratings it was very up and down it was very hard we were on a an am station that you know it's no secret that kjr never really had a great signal Everybody used to complain about the signal. And and people were listening in those days to FM radio. It was hard. They wanted us to compete. They wanted the our morning show to compete with the, the Teppers and the and the FM, yeah. all these FM stations that were not playing music in the morning. They were talking in the morning just like we were. Right. So it was a it was a grind trying to compete on that level. And we we did okay at times and other times we didn't do it. Okay. It's almost not a fair fight in a way, because they keep telling you they want you to do sports, 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 but they want you to compete with the entertainers of the it was radio. Hard. So yeah, it's it almost not a fair fight. Yeah. So on your first morning show, was Jeff Aaron your co-host or was it Brian Wheeler? Or, or was there ever any discussion? Oh, the first morning show? Yeah. Was there discussion for Brian? Because you guys asking me these questions that I really don't. I don't remember the answers. I'm just. To. I'm. I'm more wondering. I think it was if Fish. You, if you asked Brian to come be your co-host. And, oh yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. Because you guys had a nice yes, rapport. Yes, the, yes. Brian, I asked Brian to be the co-host. He was my best friend in Seattle. The truth is, again, I don't want to make this depressing because it's fun and whatever. The truth is, is I had very few friends when I was here. Um, I'm not a real social person to begin with. People didn't love me when I got to town. I was different. I was that other guy from, and there wasn't a lot of people that were putting their arms around me. Brian Wheeler was the one guy who always, and it isn't that unbelievable when you consider that he was pissed that I, I right. came in and took the job that he thought he had. If anyone had a he reason a, to hold a grudge, he was it the been him. one guy yeah. who put his arm around me more than anybody else and took me under his wing and took me to movies and we went and we went to dinners together. We hung out. We we became really good friends. He was my really my own only friend it's great and uh and we were great i thought we were great on the air together we we worked i mean he, he, yeah. he polar opposites that's right. right but he always he always dreamed of being a play-by-play guy and when i got the morning show gig he was he was offered like 
eight games or ten games a year in Sacramento for the Kings to go down there and be a part of the Kings network and to be like the sub, the fill-in. And I just didn't I, – I got mad at him. I was like, you don't want to go – you're going to leave this for that? Yeah. And he just dreamed of being a play-by-play guy, and he was right. It worked out. He, ne- he needed to go somewhere where he could just do play- play-by-play, even if it were only eight or ten games a year. And I may be wrong on that number, but he was the fill-in. He, he gotcha. left KJR to go to Sacramento where he filled in and I guess after he filled in, then he got the he, Bill Shonley left in, in Portland. I think it's Bill Shonley, and he became the Portland Trailblazers voice, and he was there for 21 years until just recently. Yeah. So after your best friend says no. So he says no. He leaves town. <laughs> yeah. We got him a cat. <laughs> True story. We got him a cat before Oh, he left. that's nice. Um, but I was pissed at him. Uh, then Jeff the Fisherman Aaron comes in. Yeah. Did they sort of assign him to you? Were you like, well, let's give this guy a try? Was he? I'm just curious why you chose remember. him. I don't or remember. Or if you chose him. I don't remember. Because I, that's when I started. I feel like it was me, you, and Fish. I honestly don't remember. And I wonder who the producer was at the I'm time. I'm sure I had a say in it. At this point, I've, I've agreed to do the morning show. they got to give me some say. I mean, right. I obviously didn't have a say in, in your job because you got it. <laughs> but I, I, I think I had a, I must have had a say in Fish, and Fish was great. Yeah. 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 And he could do updates, and I think yeah. double-dip yeah. it. Yeah. When he got over the fact that I called him Fish. Right. Well, which was, took, a, took a while. That, he wanted to punch me in the nose. He wanted to punch you in the nose. And, and he didn't n- have to be in the same room to do it. <laughs> but I'm true. Proud. See, you're beating me to it. Yeah. And he called you, or you called him Numb Nuts one time, too. And he Did didn't, I? He didn't much care for that. <laughs> Really? Yeah, no nuts. That's, that's like the, I, that was like a two to me on the scale of things you could call. It was like a nothing. And I, you got just, uh, something snapped in him yeah. being called numb nuts. I don't know yeah. why that really bothered him. Yeah. So take a take a timeout, and I'll take you back to uh, I'll take you back to Syracuse University. Ask me, ask me about the ticket the ticket scam. So the back at Syracuse scam. University, yes. you're a starving student. You somehow got your hands on some tickets to an NCAA game. Was yeah. it the wasn't yeah. the Final Four? Was it? It just yeah. It was actually the final four. Yeah, two tickets or four? More. Oh geez. All right. So you got your hands on some tickets. I maybe I shouldn't even tell this story. I mean, yeah. I've told it before. I mean, the statute of limitations yeah, it's been is at up. least seven years. Right? It's actually a very. It's actually a fun story. So, uh, in nineteen I, in nineteen eighty seven, do you remember Keith Smart from the corner? Indiana? Yeah. Yes. Beat us in the corner. Yep. Beat Syracuse in the corner in New Orleans. Well, I somehow got my hands on. Uh, a bunch of books of tickets for the Final Four. Somehow? I, I, I think it was the athletic director who gave them to our station or gave them to me. Mm. Somebody gave me t- tickets. I can't remember clear. It's, I'm not clear-headed enough to remember who it was. That gave, but they gave them to me. I didn't pay for them. They said, hey, we've got extra. It was, the, it was like the Tuesday night or the Wednesday before the Final Four. They had beaten Florida and North Carolina to get into the Final Four. They're playing in the Final Four in New Orleans. And... Based on my my sports director job, I, I wasn't even sports director. I, I, I don't know how I ended up with these tickets, but I ended up from the athletic department with four, or not four, like 10 oh, books or 12 books of tickets to the final four. Just handed them to you. Yeah. Oh, man. And it's think, just, it's and gold. I think, I, I think you know. it was for the all the, you know, for the radio station people, but nobody in the radio station. I mean, who could get to New Orleans right. on the spur of the moment from Syracuse, <laughs> New York yeah. as, a, as a sophomore or junior in college? So I'm I'm talking to my roommate, my my roommate Red. Okay. And I said to Red, my friend what, what, Red. what are we gonna do with these tickets? And he said, What are you gonna we're not going, we're not gonna get we're not gonna go. So I said, why don't we sell them? So we went on, we went, we picked up the USA to New, USA Today newspaper, and in the classifieds there were a lot of wanted Final Four tickets. And we had like 10 books 
of tickets. When I say books, semifinals, finals in each book. Wow. Okay. And we're, 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 we start calling these brokers and whoever yeah. is, that's, in the, that's in the USA <laughs> Today. And we come across, a, we call a number, and the guy says to me, oh, my God, you're like a savior. We're going down to the Final Four tomorrow, and we need tickets, and we're two hours away from you in, in Syracuse. We're two, I'm two hours away from you in Syracuse. And I said, okay. I, I start getting nervous, and it's like, it's like two, Wednesday night. And he says, I'm leaving tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, so I have to get him tonight. And I'm making this call. It's already like 10 o'clock at night when I'm making the call. And he says, I got to have him tonight. How much do you want for him? And I don't remember what number. I, I gave him a big number. Yeah. <laughs> a big number. And I'm, I'm saying, Red, we got somebody. We got somebody. And he says to me, this guy on the other line says to me, all right, would you meet me halfway? Now it's like 10.30 or 11 o'clock right. at night. We're going to meet some guy on the side of the road, and he tells me the exit that's halfway between wherever he was in Syracuse. And Red had – I didn't have a car in yeah. Syracuse. He had a van. That may or like may a, not make it. Like, like, 19, <laughs> like, a, like, a, 19, like a 1978 van. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Like, Fred, like Fred Sanford. Fred G. Sanford would have had this gotcha, van. Gotcha, yeah. And the guy says, Want it? let's meet at 1 o'clock in the morning – at exit 61, I don't remember. It may have been called Watertown, New York, or some some strange city. It's like a drug town. deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're gonna meet on the side of. There's an exit right there. I want you to meet. So I said, hold on, let me talk to my partner. And I put him on. I put my hand over the phone. I said, Red, do you want to meet? Should we meet this guy? I mean, he wants to buy all ten and give us whatever hundreds of dollars it's, per. It's great. It's huge. And Red's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I'm driving. Let's go. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I said to so I said oh, I said to the guy okay we'll meet you at one thirty at the and we get in this van on Wednesday night on a Wednesday night in Syracuse New York in April or late March God. and we start driving and I am nervous I am I am convinced I'm convinced I'm in my mind my mind is creating every bad possible scenario are we going right. to get jumped right uh, is somebody going to pull a gun on us is it going to be police and we're going to get arrested and thrown in jail for scalping tickets what I, I'm and Red's like driving Jake would you shut the and nothing's <laughs> going to happen this is a dude that wants to go to the game we just yeah. have to meet him at 1:30 in Watertown New York <laughs> you'd be a bad drug user by the way. You would be bad going through all those I'm scenarios sweating, in your I'm head. I'm spitzing. I don't know. I, in my mind, something's yeah. bad's going to go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Something's going to go wrong. And right. Red's like, don't worry about it. It's not going to be fine. I'm like, but what What if? Let's go through the scenarios. Oh, what are we going to do? The guy pulls out. a gun. What are we going to do? <laughs> if the guy's a cop, what are we going to do? Yeah. He says, just stop. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to sell these 10 books of tickets. We're going to recoup thousands of dollars. And oh. we're going to go and we're going to be home free. Right. I said, okay, all right. So we get to the exit at 1.30 in the morning, and we pull off, and we're the only people at this dark. There's not even a light. There's hardly a light. It's, we're in the pitch dark. You couldn't pick like a gas station or something By the way, the do you, how do you feel like my, my, my attorney father felt when I told him this story right. for the first uh, time? All right, so we get to this exit, and we're sitting there, and there's nobody there. There's no, not a soul around. All of a sudden, we see a light getting off the exit. Here comes our guy. Yeah. And he pulls up right next to us. And you, I know you're you're not even going to believe how stupid we are. He pulls up right next to us. He puts down the window. Red puts down his window. And he says, are you? I probably gave him a, a different name. Are you Reed? Yeah, yeah. Who are you? I'm so-and-so. I, I, can we do this? I got to get back. Can, just get in the car, he says to us. Get in his I'm car. I'm going to pull in. I'll pull to the side. Just get in my car and we'll do, we'll do this real quick. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Turn, put your window up. Put your window up. I got to talk to my partner. Oh, and so, so I say to Red, do we want to get in his car? Is this a good idea? He said, oh, Red says, don't worry about it. Here's what's going to happen. Red, a little more street smart than you. It here's, like. here's what's going to happen. <laughs> You're going to get in the, in, the, in, the, in the passenger seat in the front. I'm going to get in the, pa- in the back. And if he tries some funny stuff, I'm gonna, I'll nail him from behind. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? What are we, the A team now? So, we have a plan. So, to, uh, he says, I said, come on. He says, come on, let's get in the car. So we literally get out of the, the van and we get into the car. Yeah. I get into the to the front passenger seat. He gets in the back. And the guy says to me, how you doing? It's late. It's like now it's like 145. How old of a guy are we talking? We're probably talking. He's probably 55 years old. Oh, okay. Old, 50 so years not old. a college kid. He's no. like an older guy. Okay. And what, what's it, he says. Nice to, car. Not a nice car. It was like an okay car. Okay. Normal. Okay car. So, so it, Chevy. Gotcha. Right. And, and, he, and he says to me, he says, uh, Reed, would you mind if I paid you half in cash and half in credit cards or get uh, credit um, cashier's, cashier's checks. checks. Yeah. We're getting ready to go tomorrow, and I I don't have all the cash that, that you need. Now there's no cell phones, no nothing. Right. And I said, Oh God, let me talk to my. Hold on, let me talk to my partner. And I I we get outside. You really got out of the we car. We got out of the car. I wanted to meet with my partner. So Red's like, Would you stop meeting with your partner? <laughs> he said, Get back in the car. It's fine. Have him sign over the cashier's check. You know, whatever. Which were as good as cash back then for people yeah, who don't American remember. American Express them. traveler's checks. Don't leave them without. That's right. That's what they were. Yeah. Like Carl Malden, the bulbous nose. Yeah. And 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 so. <laughs> So, so I, I said, okay, I get back in. He gets back in. And now Red's really losing patience with me. Yeah. Losing because I'm just so nervous. I'm sweating bullets. I don't even want to do this. But I would look at it as, let's say the cashier's checks are not good. At least we got half in cash. At least we got something out of it. And we can move on with our lives. So I, I'm kind of with Red. Let's just do this and Yeah, go. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah. I just wanted to meet with my partner. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I get in. I said to him, all right, yeah, he's, uh, the traveler's checks are fine. He starts, he, he, he counts out like $1,000 or more in cash, and then he starts, starts signing slowly these $100 traveler's checks. And I'm, come on, guys. Slowly, come like, on, perp, like it, No, it's, just, he's just signing. I'm signing. Okay. It's just taking too long. Gotcha. I just want to get in the you. van. Right. I want to get in the van. All of a sudden. In the middle of him doing traveler's checks, I look back and and Red's going, no, 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 no. He's freaking out. No, get what? out of the car. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. No, no, oh get out of the car. God. I'm like, I don't know what to do now. Right. I, I thought maybe he's t- pulling a prank on me. He's been the calm guy. He's like, right, get right. out of the car. Get out of the car. And all of a sudden, I just yell, stop. And the guy goes like, what? I said, I got to talk to my partner. Oh, geez. <laughs> so I get out of the car and Red gets out of the car. And he says, look at his rear view mirror. Just look at his rear view mirror. And I look and there's a badge oh my hanging God. from his rear view mirror. My, the exact scenario or one of right. that he's a cop and the badge is right in front of my face and I never noticed it and and red didn't notice it until the second time we got in the car and now he's in the backseat trying to get my attention seeing the badge while the guy's signing over traveler's checks and i i get back in the car and i said that's it sir that's it we're done we've decided we don't want to sell the tickets we're going back to syracuse thank you so much we're so sorry Sorry. have a great trip we're not we we've just decided we don't want to sell them he's like oh come on come on guys come on guys and we get out of these and he rolls down the way come on guys did you see the badge? Is that the problem? The guy says, you see the badge? Yeah. I said, I don't know what badge you're talking about. <laughs> I just had a change of heart. 
out of nowhere. I said to him, I don't know what you're talking about. Yep. We just decided we're going to actually get on the road now to New Orleans and go down to the game. He's like, no, seriously, I'm a cop. I had to have the badge out because I was going like 85, 90 miles an hour to get here in time. I'm, I, I have a family of four. I'm taking friends. We got, we've got 12 people going. All I want to do is buy your tickets. Please sell me the tickets. And I said, roll up your window. I want to talk to my partner. <laughs> you guys are like cops now. now <laughs> Partners. Now, now what do you do? Right. The cop is p- literally begging us yeah. to sell them these tickets. And a lot of money. You already drove all the way. I'm not going to arrest you. Right. It's just for me. and my, I'm a huge Syracuse fan. We're going down there. We don't have tickets. Oh. Please just sell me the tickets. It's a tough one. Yeah. And uh, we decided to sell them. We sold them to him. And? We took the cash, got into the... Did not get arrested. Did not get he arrested. He was a man of his word. Man of his word. Got into the car, got into the van, started driving home. And now, on the way home, I'm like, okay, what if there are roadblocks and oh, police yeah. officers <laughs> and checkpoints? A nail strip. <laughs> <laughs> And get him Red, and red's acting like he like nothing ever happened like he didn't freak out in the back seat i'm like you just stop acting so cool <laughs> right like, you were freaking out too so, okay and so and so and, and naive naive mitchell reed decided on the way now listen let's not spend the money so quickly we're not going to spend the money because maybe still be right. tracing Marked his bills own. or and something he came back with the nicest pair of nike orange nike syracuse <laughs> sneaks the next day red had the I'm nicest sure. pair of oh, sneaks yeah. in the house but that was the uh that was the story the one thing i would have thought of at the time is that he's signing his name it could have been a fake name i guess but i don't know yeah i don't know no no it was it was yeah I, yeah who knows I, I don't know if I would have had the guts to, because I would have been like, how stupid. Well, can he then, if he says, look, I'm a cop, I'm not going to arrest you, I just want to buy these tickets, can he then arrest you? That'd be a great question for someone like your dad. I don't know how that works. No, I have no my idea. I wouldn't know that, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody in I, our audience uh, might know. Can he then arrest you? I don't know. You well, think we, he could. We sold him the tickets, all like eight or 10 books of them, thousands of dollars. We had. All of a sudden, a lot of money in our right. pockets, and we were walking we with were, the new radio on your oh shoulder, sunglasses we, we on. We were like, "Shit, man!" We were so cool. That is so awesome. Cool. And I was walking, and and Red was trying to tell people how freaked out I was. I was like, "No, I wasn't. It was all an act. I was just trying to be safe." You know, the whole thing. So yeah. it's easy to have the you know Monday morning quarterback now, but I I think if he was really trying to arrest you, he may not have shown the badge. That's probably pretty bad police work. But I can see you being freaked out. Maybe, maybe it's he two forgot. o'clock, right. Scott. It's two yeah. o'clock in the morning. I'm already freaked out. I'm yeah. in a, a strange exit off of the the interstate, and I'm selling tickets that are not I'm not shouldn't be selling that I didn't pay for. Yeah. I'm selling them for way over the price, and there's a badge hanging in sure. my eyes, and I didn't even see it. And Red's <laughs> freaking out in the back. What do you think I was doing? Yeah. Where anyway. is good old Red these days? Uh, he's around. Is he? He's around. Anyway, that's my uh, that's my sin. But I think we I think we got to stop. We have to. We barely got to Seattle. You did. You no. Did. You ask a few more about Seattle because we're, we we these, Are we, these shows were. They're going forever. Yeah, they're going forever. All right. So you're on, you're doing mornings now. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Aaron's there with you. You're, yeah. you're, you're getting some traction. Thing, things are going well. I know you have a laundry list of things that people want you to ask me. Yes, I, I, don't I do know. have we'll, some. We of can those. do that. We'll save that. That'll be the last installment. The last installment, which it can be, fifty one p. The last installment of this, you'll do nothing. You can't ask your own. You'll do nothing but ask me the questions okay. that you want to ask that people sent you. Okay. So, 
you said that Tony Kornheiser, you sort of learned a lot from him. You took a lot from yeah. him and his style. Do, do you feel like you being tough on your producers sort of came from him? But even though you said you got along with him, he had a high he had a high bar and he had high standards. No, that's that would be too easy. Me being tough on my producers was me being immature and stressed out and expecting a lot of myself and trying to please everybody and really letting the stress get to me. When I was tough on my now, I, I, I would say this that if I had to do it all over again, I would try to do it differently. It's the way I was wired. I was always, I was, if you ask all of those producers that I was tough on, I don't think any of them would say to you that he was any tougher on me than he was on, it would have been unfair if I was tougher on them than I was on myself. But I think it was just immaturity and stress and not knowing how to deal with numbers and ratings and is he a success and uh, you know vindicating what they were paying me right. you know after a few, lot of years they were paying me a lot of money and I just it was very stressful and I wanted the show to be a certain way and if it wasn't a certain way I was immature in the way I, I handled it and I you know I, I you know I regret I regret the way the relationships with certain producers went not all of them but some of them I do yeah. Regret him? How so? Just the, that I wasn't cooler and I wasn't more calm and I wasn't more, you know, um, go with the flow. Hmm. I, I don't think the show would have been what it was had I been wired differently. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was difficult on them. I tried to be fair. I think a lot of them would say he was difficult on me, but I, he was fair. But fair. I, yeah. And and. Uh, you know, but I do regret being difficult on the people that I worked with. Definitely, I never had my own show, but I, I feel like having one producer was I difficult on you? Not me, no, because I, I was never your producer. Okay, who was the producer? Uh, for a while, it was C.J. Silas. Was I tough on her? I think you were tough on C.J., but I, I think you were equally... even after she went to Oprah in Chicago and <laughs> instead of doing the show, she danced oh, on the ceilings God. with Lionel Richie. Even that, I remember getting a call on the the eight hundred hotline at like I don't know six thirty in the morning, and I answered it. KJR and C.J. from a payphone down the street crying. <laughs> Mitch is an asshole. I can't come back. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. What did I like, say? What did I do to her? I don't. Who knows what you did to her? But uh, she was on a payphone crying. Who else was producers during her time? Uh, Wink. Was I tough on Wink? I think, but again, equally tough on all of them. But I don't know. Tough is kind of a weird word. I don't think you were unreasonable. I just think you had a super high. Was I unfair? Standard. Was I rude? And you can say yes if you think I was. Tell me. I don't know about rude. I think you were. I don't know what the you, you had a high bar, and if they if it wasn't met, then there was a little fury. Yes, hmm. but I don't know if that's rude. Is that rude? I mean, you made it clear where the bar is, and you can either do this job or not. And if they couldn't hit the bar, then really there. Yeah, but I, I, like you said, you're. At that, when you're young, you're kind of fighting to eat. You're fighting to survive, and I can see the stress getting to you. And maybe you take it out on a producer. But I don't know that I was fighting to survive, except, except as much as I just felt like I had to. I had to make it worth everybody's while. That I had. I had to do a certain job, and I, I had an image of what the show. I thought the show needed to sound like and be like to have any chance of accomplishing those goals, and. That took a lot from producers and, and engineers and board ops and program directors. And yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I, I, I wanted it to be a certain way. And I think you succeeded. I mean, I think you, you came in with this high bar, even when you probably didn't deserve it because you're new, right? But you always had a high bar. Like, get, I did. Get me the good guess. I'm not taking some you know third string tight end just because he's a Seahawk. I don't want it. And you made that clear. And I think that worked in your favor. I think the show became what it is. And I think you got the respect around the station. You're being nice, but thank you. Well, I, I don't know if you meant to do it. I didn't say you're a genius. <laughs> I said it, it seemed to work out that way. You were king shit around there for a while, you know? You were. You were the biggest guy there. Well, I was just the more... <laughs> 
was fine. Ga- Gas would disagree, but you know. <laughs> but people uh, looked at you, and that's and not you had the, a respect. That's not the Washington Monument out there. That's the Space Needle. Remember that. Is that what you heard? That's what Gas said. To me. Is that right? Yeah. Like when you were new? Yeah. When I walked into the <laughs> when I when I walked into a studio while he was we we had we had in D.C. We had a door, a big door to the studio that we just, I don't know why, it was weird. We left it open. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. I didn't know it was weird because it was the only station that I really ever knew, <laughs> yeah. but we left the door open and people came in and out. It well, was a huge studio and people came in and out. But at our studio in at KJR, there was the sports pit where everyone just sort of hung out. Yeah. So it, I left it the probably would have got loud. I left the door open. When I was doing our show, I left the door open. Did you really? Yeah, I left the door open. And, I don't remember that. Uh, and I remember, or if I didn't, it was okay to come in and out because that's what I was used to. And I remember needing to go out, go in and get carts. At, oh, Gast- carts. And Gaston was on the air, and he had never had anybody walk in. Oh. And I just, I just walked right in and got carts while he was doing his show. And I kind of waved to him. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm the new guy. What's and up? he came out. He let me have it. Is that right? Yeah, he said, you, that's, and he pointed outside. He said, that, that's the... That's not the Washington. I said to him, or I said to him, you know, I'm sorry. In Washington, we all went in and out. It was a huge studio. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't bother anybody. He's like, that's Washington, and out there, that's not the Washington Monument. That's the Space Needle. <laughs> Whoa! And you don't forget it. <laughs> I could see a host being distracted by someone he doesn't know coming in the studio. Oh, yeah, yo, oh, yeah. I get. I it. was probably being a moron. Yeah. So I just didn't know any better. Yeah. Now I'm saying so all. Of the, it's, it's, <laughs> what, am I, what am I saying that for all the time? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so you're doing the show so for a long time, and then at some point, people have been hitting me on Twitter about you leaving. Is it? Yeah. Do we not? Have, should we get into that another time? Yeah, let's start. Uh, this is taking so long. Yeah, can we start there? That was. It's a long story. Let's. Can we start there on the next show? And that was about fifty fifty one p. We'll start right there. That was about two thousand one. So you've been doing. The yeah, I think it for... was two thousand or two thousand and one. I did leave the station. I did. You did officially leave. I, I left the station. I took a job. I took another job, and we can start there on 51P. How about that? And then maybe we can get into the first play-by-play gig. I want to hear some about that, too, at Syracuse. Well, that's a very emotional story. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe, well, should I tell it to you now real quickly, or should I? Well, let's do that in 51P. Yeah, let's do it in 51P. All right, so we'll pick up 51P. Um, what did you just ask me about? About leaving in 2001. Yes, 2001, I left the station. I took another job. I verbally took another job and then had second thoughts and came back. Yeah, I've had some people on Twitter, like multiple people want to know what the hell happened. I don't even know. I was the in the building story. and I don't I'll know. I'll tell you the whole story. There's there's no secrets, but you have to but you have to be a patron because you get it on 51P. That's Sorry. all right. See what Sorry. we did there? There's a, I have a, a patron fen, friend named John Bracken who's actually on episode 23 telling his Michael Jordan story. And he was very concerned about Mitch how can you do half of these things on regular Monday shows and then and then make the rest of it on patron show? And he's a patron for people. I mean, don't you feel bad? I mean, he, he he's like his heart bleeds for the non-patrons. Uh, mine doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're giving you a free one. Uh, it's five bucks a month. All right. We'll, we'll pick it up right there. And we'll do the emotional story about my first play-by-play gig in, in Syracuse, New York as a college student on, on 51P. And if I remember, I'll tell you about seeing my first person get fired in radio. I know it happened all the time, but I, I was there the morning Vinny and Michael Knight got fired for the new morning man, oh, Mitch. I was do there. I, do I want to know that? I was there. I, had, I was 21 or 22. I'd never seen anybody get fired. <sighs> I mean, look, it's radio. It reminds it happens. me. Look where we are, for God's sakes. Sitting right well, here. Yeah. Put down in your notes, Ruth's Chris. Oh, boy. I think it was Ruth's Chris. Right. The uh, When I knew that they were not going to be much longer on the morning show, and I knew that I was replacing them, and they were up there talking about the future of their morning show. Oh, awful. 
I think it was Ruth's Chris. That's rough. 1996. But I was there. I, I, I was uh, not at Ruth's Chris, but I was in the studio Sit, when... Remind me, ask me right. about that in our next show, 51P, about uh, sitting, in the, sitting in the audience... With them talking about what's good, they're going to do on their on their, it was not comfortable. Yeah, well, it's that's radio. It's always weird. And maybe if we have time, I'll tell you the story about the time I saw your paycheck in the accounting office one time. <laughs> 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 the lady who used to do it was the nicest woman what in year? the world. Two thousand two, maybe. Really, you're doing okay for yourself there. Was kid. I doing okay? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You I was are, like four times. I, I think. I think. <laughs> I think the reason you wanted to do this interview, based on the questions, you yeah. just want to know what I was making when I. Well, that's you're. You're really fascinated by that. I, I am curious because I don't feel like that. That money's. It was a weird time when. Did I ever get that check? Or do they still owe me? Should I call? <laughs> How do you think they'll feel? Hey, 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 Rich. It's it's Mitch Levy here. Um, it's come to my attention. I know yeah. that you're not talking to me, but I. I it's come to my attention. That there's a check in 2002 that you forgot to give me a February. Could, could you could you forward that to me? You yeah. think that should I wait by the mailbox? Oh for yeah, that? all day and all night it's coming. <laughs> the woman who used to to be the accountant at the time, super yeah. sweet lady. I had to go in there and fill out a form for like an appearance or something. I was waiting around. She's looking for the form and she had all the checks out on the desk. Everyone's checks were just sitting out. She wasn't, you know, probably graded. That's her an job. invasion of my privacy, by the way. I think I, I got. I think I got a. You, you have a case. <laughs> It was about four times what I was making. I was like, wow, hey, look at this guy. He's doing all right. He's okay. doing all right. All right, we'll pick it up in 51P. Let's do it. All right, Hot Shot, here's what I know. If I'm sitting down to watch the Hawks play on TV or the newly minted 12th-ranked Washington Huskies or even my beloved 22nd-ranked, that's right, 22nd-ranked Syracuse Orange, I'm craving some pizza. It's a delivery from Zeke's Pizza for me. Zeke's is the Northwest homegrown pizza company founded in Queen Anne in 1993, and most Zeke's locations now deliver beer, wine, and even cider. No one does Northwest craft beer quite like Zeke's, and that includes delivery. Download and use their mobile app. Order online, Zeke'sPizza.com, or call 206-285-8646. This is not a third party. This is Zeke's bringing the order right to your door. Any combination of food and beer, just as long as it's a minimum of $15. You can mix and match, order six different beers, whatever you want. All the drivers have shoulder coolers, so believe me, the beers show up nice and cold. Remember, the one who orders has to be 21 years old and at the door upon delivery. 206-285-8646, Zeke'sPizza.com, or download and use the mobile app. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Pick from Randy Johnson, Ichiro, Dick Butkus, Bernie Williams. We're not picking Bernie Williams. No. Trevor Hoffman's the leading save guy in the history. He might be and, the best of all of and them. And we're not even talking and about it. And we're not it. even talking no, about no, it. No, no. Yeah. Uh, we got, I got an email that I, I forwarded to you that I would like to get your impressions because you are the father of a 10-year-old girl. So we did – did you – I'm, I'm, I'm not remembering whether you were part of that show or I not. I think that was the Wheeler show, but I heard the whole thing. So there's a, a, a big thing going on around the country about transgender athletes in high school sports. You know that. And we went to Connecticut and we kind of dug into a story of a couple of track stars, female track stars is probably, track athletes that were suing, Title IX suing because there were transgender athletes, athletes that were born as men but identified as women 
in they were in the tra- they were breaking all the track records in Connecticut this year and they and these two didn't make the state didn't qualify for the state championship because there were not as many positions available because these two transgender athletes were the best of the best and didn't think that it was appropriate and it's led to a lot of conversation here and this is a a very debatable issue and a very hot topic around the country as you can understand I got an email that I want to read that you've read. Mitch, quick question on the topic of transgender athletes on one of your previous episodes. The way the issue was presented in the segment on your podcast addressed the key points on both sides, and I completely agree with the complex nature of the topic. There really is no clear answer. One of the things that I've always wondered about this that wasn't addressed is the safety of the athletes. Here's what I mean by this. My girls... Both play AAU basketball in Central Washington. We started to play more tournaments in the Seattle area and have encountered situations with transgender athletes on opposing teams. When my girls were younger, third grade-ish, I didn't notice much of a difference in physical size, strength, and speed of the female athletes and transgender athletes. Now that we're playing fifth and sixth grade AAU basketball, I've noticed a large difference in physical size, strength, and speed, and so much so that I've noticed coaches and parents becoming alarmed from a safety standpoint of these athletes. Some of the transgender athletes are just much bigger, faster, and stronger. They go to the basket harder. They play more aggressively. Sometimes don't have great control over their bigger, faster, stronger bodies. We've had girls leave the court crying after they get mowed over. And all of this happens, too, when there's just female versus female athletes, just to a less extreme extent. At any rate, I think basketball and safety is a unique perspective just because of the close proximity of athletes to each other and the overall physicality of the sport. Track is more individual, and you're certainly not banging bodies together, so it's not really an issue in that sport. And given all of this, I still don't know where I stand on the issue, writes Claire Hain or Hein, H-E-I-N. I don't have a transgender child, so I don't know, I don't have expertise to comment on what sort of challenges that entails, but I assume it's a hugely challenging and frustrating situation given the lack of tolerance and sensitivity that exists in society. At any rate, just want to toss it out there, was wondering if you've ever heard of athlete safety being an issue on this topic. Now, you are the father of a 10-year-old girl who plays basketball. That's right, I am. This should resonate with you. It does. And if you're talking about my daughter specifically, unfortunately, she's built like me. So she's, it looks like, it looks like me and John Cruck had a baby. You know, that's, she's a big kid and she can handle herself out there. But if I had a daughter that was tiny and got run over in, in mall, you know, just, I would probably feel a little bit differently about it. We, this is a tough one because basketball is a contact sport. It is. There's tears today at the games I was at. And, you know, it just, it happens in basketball. Right. But when, I think when safety, of kids are involved, I think that at least deserves some discussion about it. But then my old bleeding heart liberal brain goes, this kid's gone through enough. If they feel, identify as a girl, let them play. It's one game and we can move on. I am not a medical expert, but there are some that believe that the answer in all of this, and there is no answer that will please everybody, but the answer to a lot of people might be somewhere in the middle, which is hormonal therapy, going through hormonal change Mm -hmm. and going through the process, not just identifying as a female, but actually starting the medical procedure of changing your hormones to become a female. And I, I... Look, I, maybe somebody would just say, you're such a dummy, Mitch. You're not going to lose your strength. I would think that as that process unfolds, that you have more of the attributes physicality-wise and strength-wise as a female, and then yep. it becomes safer as a product in, in, in basketball. Maybe that's, maybe that's the answer, mm-hmm. that you, you can't compete 
we, we, we love you. We embrace you. We hug you. We hug. We want you to be what you think you can be, yep. but you can't compete in certain sports. The ones where there's physicality involved where safety can be compromised. Sa- that's right. Maybe in certain sports, you j- I'm, we're sorry because it's a safety concern to others. You can't start competing until you've gone through that change whatever that change is. And then the question becomes, how long do they have to have been go- going through it? One day? One year? Two years? Do I have to decide that now? You don't right now, but I can tell you that if I was to go fight as a woman now or and then go through the hormonal therapy for two years, I'd probably look a little different, right? No. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not much? <laughs> so, you know, we have to decide. How long do they okay. have to go through it in order to No, we don't to, to have compete? to decide. As I said at as the beginning, a society, we as, have to I, as I've said at the beginning, there's a lot more brilliant people in this oh, yeah. country than you and me. Plenty. Not at this table. Well, you were getting paid like so. a brilliant one for a while there. <laughs> Holy crap! This guy's talking sports and making that. Good uh, lord. Okay, the show's over. Yes, it is. We n- we never even got to Ninja. Maybe another time. Oh, I have it on my list. Ninja and I even have Summer Jam. And Summer Jam, too, yeah. Ninja went to Mixer. It's a big get. It's a See, big get. I don't get. even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, for a second, I thought you were, like, smart and techie. Ninja went to... They're talking about it out here in the family room. The kids... Oh, my kids are talking about it. It was a big Ninja moment. Went to, Ninja went to Mixer. So, you what does to, that mean? I'll try to explain it to you really well, quick. Well, I could tell... But as you tell me, they wanted... Jason D. Hamilton and some other people have wanted me to do this show on Twitch. So, I have a little bit of knowledge, not a lot, yeah. of... The idea of actually doing this podcast on video on Twitch. I don't know if you think that's a good idea. We should talk about it because there's a lot of video platforms. YouTube's a great one. Yeah. So, but Mixer's one, right? When it comes, Will they to, pay me more than Twitch. Not more than Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna make that kind of money. <laughs> believe me. Do you know what the money is? I don't. I've tried big, to find you're out. Big. You want to know these things? I, I believe that's me. All I tried you to know. find out. Do they leave a paycheck of, of ninjas <laughs> oh, out in out in human resources? God, I wish that would be amazing. I'll call Satya, the CEO of Microsoft. Okay. He takes my call all the time. Yeah, okay. So there's two big streaming platforms, streaming for video games, all right? You know what streaming is? Yeah. So you you play your game, your face is on there, and then the game you're playing is on there too, and people can watch you right. play your game, and you can react to them in a chat that's nonstop. That's the great thing that people love about streaming is it's, it's interactive. You can chat with Ninja, and yeah. you can give them money if you'd like to. People See, I think I ought to do that during Seahawks games. You could totally stream. Yeah, because the, the game I will be on th- and your face will be on. That's right. Yeah, well, I don't want my face on. Well, that's, Does the face have to be on? That's part of Well, we'll do it from the front. <laughs> <laughs> no profile shots. No profile shots. No profile way, shots. You used to say that, and you weren't kidding. Like, it wasn't a joke. <laughs> why, why would it be a joke? I still say it. No profile shots. <laughs> no profile shots. Shot. Actually, yeah. I don't take pictures. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that. That's more of an age thing than a nose thing, I think. No, it's been for years. Oh, since, really? Since I was young. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't like being in pictures. I don't either. So there's, there's two big streaming no platforms. Yeah, I love that. Twitch is, it has been the big one forever. They're owned by Amazon. Twitch is huge. That's where Ninja used to stream. It's big. Microsoft started their own called Mixer. It's the same idea. It's another streaming platform, but they, they got to the game a little late. They weren't as big as Twitch. It's like the phones. They, they got to the, the phone technology late, too. They've done a few things a little bit late. You okay. know, the, the Zune. Yeah. You remember the Zune? It was I like know a, all about the Zune. Yeah. yeah. Microsoft I'm, Music. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Zune. Even the Xbox was late. That yeah. was after. So they have Mixer, and they signed Ninja. The, he's the Away most, from Twitch. I don't know if away is the right way to put it. He can only exclusively stream on Mixer. He can't stream on Twitch anymore. And that's a big loss for them, and it's a huge get for Microsoft huge and the best way i was trying to think about how can i explain this to you it's like serious xm getting howard stern okay does that make sense yeah of like course. the biggest you don't have to i, I understand are, are you, you familiar with howard stern? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to put it in radio terms yeah 
But it was a gamble for them. They paid him a lot of money, and they weren't sure if it was going to pay off. And so this is a gamble for Microsoft to see if it'll help grow Mixer. So he was being paid by Twitch to do his stuff exclusively on Twitch, and now he's being was. Did his contract expire? Well, see, or I, did he not have a contract? Can he have? Could he have left anytime he wanted it's, to? It's a little more complicated than I don't know if he's being paid by Twitch. On Twitch, you can have sponsors, and so he had uh, Red Bulls, his big one. And on Twitch, you get donations. On Mixer, you don't do that. You don't. They don't have sponsors or donations, so it's a different. So they got to pay you directly. So they're paying. They got to make it worth his while to do it without the sponsors. Exactly wow. right. Now I, I wow. did. I watched his first stream on Mixer, and he had a nice little refrigerator of Red Bull behind him, and he had a Red Bull hat on. So I think they're okay with him keeping Red Bull, who pays him a lot of money. So yeah, they had to make it worth their while. Now the, the interesting thing is he was on. He was streaming. I think he had like up to like ninety thousand people watching at one time. And then another streamer on Twitch, I uh, can't remember his name, but he's, his name's Tifu. Tifu, some would probably know. Yeah. Tifu's really good at Fortnite. Yeah. Tifu had like 50,000. He didn't win the 3 million, though, Tifu. No, he didn't. Yeah. So Tifu had like 60, 50,000, Ninja had 90. So the question is, is 30,000 more eyeballs on there? Is that worth the money you're paying him? So that's what we get to watch unfold to see if it is. Hopefully it works out for Microsoft. Why doesn't the 16-year-old who won the 3 million playing Fortnite now start this whole there thing? There you go. Why wouldn't the whole world want to watch him play Fortnite? You're right. He's the best in the world. And the three million becomes peanuts compared to what he can make on Twitch with the sponsors and all the all the like. The kid who won, I think, had maybe, I don't know, 2,000 or 3,000 followers on Twitter. He now is half a million. So you're going to see him start to get contracts uh, and get almighty, stuff too. Why couldn't it have been Brett Levy? I, well, it, it still can be. No, it can't. He's I don't want to prime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's still got something left in the tank, Brett Ichiro, Levy. Randy Johnson, or Dick Buckus. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it down to those three. I, I, Ichiro, Randy Johnson, or Dick Buckus. I've thought about this long and hard. I'll give you the floor first. I'm going to I'm going to make the final decision on this cuz I've decided which way I'm going to go. How would you go and why? My heart wants to go with Randy Johnson, but it feels wrong to not give it to Dick Butkus, so I think I'll go with Dick Butkus. Because you think Dick Butkus I just I think he dominated the sport in his prime more than any of those. And Randy was dominant and Ichiro was dominant. Does it matter that we sit in Seattle? Should we give some some weight to that? I don't think so. Okay, the way I look at it is this: Randy Johnson versus Ichiro. Let's let's Dick Butkus is in the finals. Okay, Dick Butkus, despite the one tweet that said he's overrated, yeah, overrated. He's in he, he's in the final consideration, and I've got to figure out between Ichiro and Randy Johnson, who goes in. I think, and I'm not an Ichiro fan. In fact, I'm not an Ichiro fan. So this is not going to be hard for me. I know a lot of Ichiro fans are going to get mad about this, but I'm just not an Ichiro. I'm not a huge Ichiro fan, so this is not that hard for me. But I can rationalize it by saying Ichiro is a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, okay? There's a difference between being a great player and a first ballot Hall of Famer and a great hitter than being one of the greatest, if not the greatest, left-handed pitcher of all time. All Randy, time. Jo- Randy Johnson is not just a Hall of Famer. Randy Johnson is one of the greatest starting pitchers, and if you go to left-handers, if you want to, if you want to differentiate differentiate between yeah. the two, there is no list, and there's a million of them online. You can go. There's no list that ranks the best left-handed pitchers of all time that doesn't have Randy in the top three or four. Who's usually We're number talking, one? Well, Randy's number one in certain cases. You've got Sandy Koufax. Okay. You got Lefty Grove. Uh, you've got Warren Spahn, Steve Carlton. Randy Johnson is firmly placed as one of, not just a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest starting pitchers. He's got five Cy Youngs. He's one of the greatest of all time. I don't think anybody would say as great as Ichiro was, 
I don't think Ichiro's being discussed with Ken Griffey Jr. and Willie Mays and and the greatest of the greatest, okay, of all time. He's a great, great player who's a Hall of Famer. Randy Johnson is in the conversation. Plus, I don't love Ichiro. Right. So, but the thing I love about Randy, I loved his intimidation factor. I felt like that was contagious. Huge. The night he huge, pitched, huge. That other John Crock, baby, huge. They were in their heads before he even huge. got to the mound. Huge. Yeah. So, I'm advancing Randy Johnson past Ichiro. It's gonna be a good final. So now I've got to each. Now I got Randy Johnson versus Dick Butkus. And when you look up Randy Johnson on these rankings, and you look up Dick Butkus on all-time linebacker rankings, they are almost exactly the same. It's a good matchup. One is number three on this list, three on that list. Lawrence Taylor is considered by most the greatest linebacker of all time. Mm-hmm. When you look up Dick Buckus, he's on everybody's top five, top three, top two, top four. And he's, he's never listed number one, almost never listed number one. Lawrence Taylor is almost always listed as the best linebacker of all time. But Randy Johnson is at times listed number one as the greatest left-hander, but never as the, one the of the greatest, greatest starters all yeah. of all time. So we've got a flat-footed tie. Sounds like it. A flat, to me, Dick Butkus's role in the NFL and Randy Johnson's role in, the, in Major League Baseball are incredibly similar. Except you might say that Dick Butkus came along and revolutionized and, and transcended. He was an actor. That's he was it. in series. He was in he was in comedy awful series. Sitcoms, yeah. Awful sitcoms. <laughs> I mean, yes. And by the way, butt kiss. I mean, it's awesome every time. So yeah, he he transcended the sport when Randy may may not have transcended the sport. But I'll say because we're sitting in Seattle that that I'll give Randy the lift to tie on the on the transcending because we're sitting in Seattle. So, so now what do I do? Have you ever had a tie? I think yeah, we've had, right? we've done we've done Randy Butkus. I think it's Dick fine. Johnson. The only the only thing <laughs> to, the only thing is that Randy played every fifth game. Now I, those baseball people love that argument out there. Yeah, well that would that would have applied when we were doing the Ichiro versus Randy Johnson thing, but I didn't let it apply. <laughs> yeah, I, even though, every, even every fifth game, I'm happy you went, you push Randy, but and I, I love Ichiro. One of the best hitters I've ever seen. But I, I love Randy. I'm, it's a I tough am, one. Man. I am at a stalemate between Randy Johnson and Dick Buckus. An absolute 51 stalemate. Talking about the intimidation factor with Randy, what about the intimidation factor with Butkus? I mean, it's like, it's a tie. It's a tie. <laughs> it's an absolute tie. So do tie. you like Randy Butkus or Dick Dick Johnson? <laughs> I got to go Dick Johnson. <laughs> Dick Johnson because Woo. we're still uh, back in 1994. Uh, Dick, <laughs> Dick Johnson. Episode Dick Johnson is in the books. <laughs>